0: What's
1: up everybody? This is AJ and this is the unnecessary podcast. We have a very special neighborly podcast. This time we're talking to my neighbor Michael and the audio was a little wonky to start off so we're just gonna cut right in to us talking about Ariana Grande and the song and Pete Davidson. So We'll get right to it. Thanks for listening. Michael, you were saying you saw Ariana's ex uh, do stand-up comedy?
2: Yeah, Pete Davidson. Saw him in Denver at the Comedy Works. Uh, I was telling you about how Pete seemed to be pretty angry with this song and how she talks pretty shitty about him. Mm -hmm. But I was a little confused because after hearing that set, I went and listened to this song like five more times. And maybe I'm just dense, but I was not catching where she's talking shit about him.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a good song because it's... um... It's like burning by with praise, with faint praise, I guess, because. Sure, sure. It's like she's respectful and it's obviously thank yous in the song title. But um, I don't know I read an article about how most like breakup songs are like, fuck you, like you fucked me over, like you walked out on me or like I don't need you. Hers is like, you know what, like, I'm really thankful for all this. <laughs> it's, really, it's really like, uh, I'm on my high horse kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense.
1: I could see it being very, like, frustrating. For <laughs> David's like, ah!
2: Well, then and instead he talks about how she's implying that he has a big dick, which is kind of funny. His joke is that he's very upset about it because every girl he meets from now on is going to be disappointed, which, I mean, I thought that was funny. But again, I've read the lyrics, I listened to the song, does she does she imply that he has a big dick in the song?
1: I don't remember hearing the big dick, um, but but like I mentioned before, I've I've heard that Pete Davidson has a big dick. But like, um, there's been the, like the the internet rabbit hole goes deep where there's like zoom in <laughs> close up pictures, like pixelated <laughs> images of like him wearing sweatpants. Like, uh-huh. look at him on Saturday morning. Like, is he chubbed up or is he huge? Like. And, um Let's see. Refer- she referenced his big dick energy, apparently, according to my very interesting preliminary Google searches. But I've heard from some, as somebody from the normal sized dick coalition, the average,
0: uh-huh. you know,
1: non non less than one standard deviation above <laughs> or below the mean. Um, from the, being from that coalition, people with big dicks often are like, "Oh, this is so embarrassing. Now everybody's going to know." Like.
2: It's, it's like quit equipping modest. That's like saying like
1: <laughs> everyone's gonna know I'm like a fast runner. Like a lot like to a right. lot of girls, like it's a who gives a shit. Right, right. But like it is a mark of like you are of a certain,
0: I don't know, <laughs> physical, like
2: <laughs> Yeah. I guess I haven't really been following the latest Pete Davidson Dick news, so I can't <laughs> say for sure what's going on there. But does he have
0: a Twitter? Does Pete
1: Davidson Dick have a Twitter? Pete Davidson. I like where this how this pod is really <laughs> is really Popped off. No, no, no Twitter.
2: I think that's good. That's a good thing.
1: Maybe. Not yet. Well, we can...
2: I'm glad you're making these searches on your computer and not mine.
1: Oh, man. In, high, <laughs> in college, we used, to, we used to get really high and be like, let's, let's play like, let's get Dick Cheney like, looking at our computers. Oh, yeah. And we would just be like, how to make a bomb? And like, and like how, to, how to kill Dick Cheney?
2: <laughs> Did it ever work? Did ever get a knock on the door?
1: No, no. No, because they knew be like, these guys are idiots. Like, because we're not buying anything, I think that was, that's and and we're white. Yeah. Because the FBI talks a lot about how like white, white terrorism and white or like white, um, hate groups or something are like a big deal mm-hmm. and source of violence. But <clears throat> I think in like 2004 when we were doing that, I'm sure most of the focus was on like Muslim people.
2: Sure, that's a different time. These days, well, you're talking about the FBI. I don't know if you yeah. saw they recently, just yesterday, I think closed the case on the Vegas shooter. No, oh, really? No motive found, but they said in the lead up to the shooting, he bought $95,000 worth of weapon, weapons and ammunition and didn't, didn't raise any red flags. So, wow.
1: Yeah, because he's a rich guy and you can just buy whatever. Yeah,
2: I guess so. So, uh, yeah, a few searches for how to make a bomb. I guess not Crazy.
1: a big deal. And yeah. he shot on like a country music festival or something. Right, right, yeah. And so that was – like because kids don't vote. And, and before Parkland, I feel like kids – um, who were victims of school shootings mm-hmm. weren't politically active because it's like it was a different time and they weren't. You know, it's hard they to were immediately know.
2: affected by policies. Yeah, and well, they, they felt yeah. it, you know, to the core. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. I'm sure that changes your political outlook. Yeah, and involvement.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, being a country music festival, I feel like that aligned with demographics of people who were pro gun.
2: That's so, a that's an interesting point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't obviously like the NRA and, and pro-gun people are still like pretty entrenched in their don't-take-my-gun rhetoric. But I, I think a lot of people gave, gave it pause after that.
2: Yeah, but pause means shit, in my opinion. You know, nothing, mm. nothing changed. I don't think things are going to change in a long time, unfortunately. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, what, you have 60 people killed, five, like wow. 400 injured, I think. Wow. And still not enough to make any kind of dent. Mm. Um, but that's the world we live in.
1: One of the NRA recommendations, I remember, and a lot of Republicans after the Florida shooting or the Parkland shooting, because there's been so many Florida shootings, it's so sad because there was that Orlando one. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, one of the resolutions that the NRA and the right wing was like, we should arm our teachers, and this is a solution. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do is they'll go through background checks, they'll get on the system, these guns will be registered, strictly monitored, there will be training courses. And and licenses given that have to be renewed quite often, right? And we're like, wow, that sounds really great. Why isn't every gun owner (laughs) beholden to that standard, like exactly? That is baffling. How they were proposing that, and yet you don't have to do that
2: for anybody else. Well, with that proposal, people who don't have guns will get guns. With the other proposal, though, people who have guns will have guns taken away. And no matter what, that's what they don't want. Mm. So yeah, it's strange.
1: Yeah. Australia took away the guns, quote unquote. Jim mm-hmm. Jeffries talks about this mm-hmm. or talked about it. And it was like they had a shooting in the 90s. Right, and the right. the government was like, now everyone's going to have to register. But I read this article from this Australian dude who's like, I own 26 guns and I'm the gun-loving dude. And I'm allowed to do it here in, in Australia mm-hmm. because I'm not a terrorist or a mass murderer. like. Right. And I'm, I'm protecting my – I'm having fun. I'm protecting myself. Mm-hmm. This is dope. Exactly. It's like, what is the problem?
2: Yeah, that's how it should be. Um, Yeah, we have weird, weird policies here. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the NRA claims to be for gun owners, which I always assumed, but most of like ninety percent, like a giant percentage of their money comes from gun manufacturers. Um, So the NRA is actually like the lobbying arm for Smith. Right. Exactly.
2: And for I mean, as you say, gun owners. I'd say white gun owners because you look at the stories of you know. Any mm-hmm. black man who's you know caught with a guy. certain stories where if it, if the person were white in the same situation, you would see support from the NRA. Since they're black, there's no support. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Um, ah, I forgot to share the computer sound, so I'm not sure how Ariana Grande came out oh, at, no. at the beginning, but
2: that's okay. All right. Yeah, as long as they got us talking about peepstick. I think we're fine.
1: They got us (laughs) talking. That that Ariana Grande audio may not have come through at the intro, but (laughs) it definitely got us talking about Pete's day. We can fix it in post.
2: That's right. In case you missed
1: it.
0: Yeah, I
1: I really, now I need to, now I need to know. (laughs) Now
0: Now I need to
1: know where the line is about Pete's dick. It's not manhood, it's male.
0: Malehood.
1: Because male is,
0: Um, Thank you.
1: Um, <laughs> um, well, I was, yeah, I was saying the difference between being a man and being a male. Um, I saw this thing called the gender gingerbread man or the gender gingerbread. It's really funny. So if you Google gender, gender, gingerbread, okay. you can see how, um, cause it's, it's confusing. There's tons of pronouns now and there's tons of like sexual orientations and identities and it's easy to get confused even if you're progressive. And this is what conservative people get get fucking jammed up on. They're like, why do I have to learn all these, this is an attack and it's like.
2: I could imagine, yeah.
1: (laughs) People get pissed about this. So this gender, this gender bred person, if you Google it, um, shows you that like somebody's identity is different than their sexual orientation, which is different than their sex. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's cool um, to see this kind of drawn out or spelled out in an easy way. But um, it's interesting how like gender expression you could be feminine or masculine mm-hmm. and like gender identity. You could be like gender expression and gender identity are different. So you can be like a masculine man or a feminine man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could be biological sex is male or female, meaning like what your genitals are, what your anatomy at birth or, or what your anatomy is presenting at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that determines whether you're female or male or intersex. Um, so yeah, this is, Interesting. I got on this genderbred man because I was trying to figure out whether queer was a specific gender mm-hmm. or if it was like a catch-all phrase because queer eye for the straight guy is about gay men. Right. But being queer is like a, a third sex. It's like something a little bit different.
2: So I didn't know any of this, honestly. I think mm-hmm. I see it as somebody like being a vegetarian. I, of course, have no problem with that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I first met you, I – I don't think you should expect me to know that you're a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Once you tell me and say, Hey, I'm a vegetarian. be Like, Oh yeah, you're a vegetarian. And you know, maybe if I forget the next time we'll a little bit of a problem, mm-hmm. but eventually we'll get there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but you know, it's, it's a lot of different things yeah. coming up.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is at least like, Oh, there's another one with categories. So there's like at least five different categories
0: for each. So It's mm-hmm. like,
1: this is just this one chart is showing 20 different persons <laughs> and like that you, people never had to worry about before but people see this as like a, a decay of our society
2: yeah I think there's much more things to be worried about in regards to our societal decay
1: yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's the thing like what you're focusing on this as the societal decay like yeah. our planet's literally rejecting
2: us exactly. A virus. exactly I mean I'd say Twitter is a bigger decay than you know transgender <laughs>
1: yeah Twitter is an interesting Twitter's an interesting one because I think Twitter is similar to religion in that they're both like products of human creation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like they reflect who we are. It's, <laughs> it's a, a very zeitgeist kind of thing. Like I I like thinking about religion as something that, that people create and maintain rather than something like outside of us that control, it's like a reflection of us, but. It's, it's a bleak, it's a bleak picture. I'm not on yeah. Twitter. so yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, I waste enough time like on other
0: online platforms.
2: Yeah, I actually, so I deleted my Instagram, just the app, my account's still there. I deleted <laughs> it like, I don't know, six months ago, just like, so it's not on my phone. And then I, over the last like two weeks, all these people I've been meeting, they just, they're all like, oh, find me on Instagram. Like, if mm-hmm. I say like, oh, let's see, and they're like, oh, reach me on Instagram. So I caved this morning, I actually downloaded it. Yeah. And. Yeah. It's you kind of ha- I'm realizing that you kind of almost have to have some of these networks in order to be fully functioning
1: in your mm. society. Yeah. Because but, I, I want to talk about neighbors in a little bit, but I think this is ties into that. We're like, we're neighbors. And I don't, I know a lot of my neighbors cause I work from home, but I don't hang out with any of them because I've only been in the building a year, mm-hmm. but the online social networks have replaced the, face to face networks Oh for sure yeah so you need to be on there or else you're going to be isolated Exactly Yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm not on Instagram but I want to be because I'm on Snapchat and those things go away and I'm old enough to <laughs> to put my name on
0: things now right, I don't right. need
1: it going into into nowhere Um and I am on Facebook but that's like for like my parents like yeah. it's for old people and people are age and older Yeah really. yeah But um my friends from college Still um, track each other on Instagram, and it's like a just like a timeline of their life, and you exactly. can see the cool shit. Yeah, yeah,
2: um, yeah. So I I ended up going through the feed a little bit mm-hmm. this morning because I like I haven't looked at an Instagram feed you know months. Mm-hmm. All I was seeing was just people skiing the powder, and since I can't ski this season, I it was just very frustrating.
1: You're so. overcoming an injury. I, I tore
2: my ACL snowboarding last season, so. Next, let's see, I'm six weeks away from getting back on the mountain, but it's been, oh. long, it's been 10 months. Um, so I'm almost there. But yeah, seeing all these pictures. People were saying that like so this has been some of the best powder days mm-hmm. in a long time, just this past weekend. Um, I actually went out to Loveland and went snowshoeing. Yeah. Kind of right next to the mountain where everybody was skiing. Uh, you know, snowshoeing's fine, but I want to be out there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, snowshoeing is... Snowshoeing is good if you are if you have cabin fever and you're like, I need to get out to the Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't skied or snowboarded in about 10 years and I'm gonna go next month because my oh, friend nice. gets, gets a free pass. My friend works at Copper Mountain. Oh. Yeah, as a masseur. So. That's cool. Shout out to Jono. What's up, dude? <laughs> um, but I, I did snowshoeing because in the summer I'm on the mountain all the time, camping and hiking. And right. After a few months you get you get that cabin fever where you just want to see the beautiful.
2: Mountains. Exactly. And yeah, a lot of people who move here to Denver, like they, that's why they move for the mountains yeah. and for the outdoors. So that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we are quite lucky. A lot of, I've heard people move to like Montana's really cool, apparently in Wyoming, but the cities aren't as big as Denver. So true, true. we have a nice, I like the mix
2: here. Yeah. Denver's grown quite a bit in the last decade also.
1: Yeah. How do you like that traffic going out to the mountains? Is it crazy?
2: Oh, yeah. You really have to adjust your, the way you go out there. So, I mean, this was last year for me, but I would generally, I used to, when I was in college, like we would leave at maybe 7.30 or so, and it wouldn't be a big deal. Now, I mean, we'd leave at 5.30. And pretty much you have to go early enough to beat the traffic, but since the drive is pretty short without traffic, you're getting to the mountain an hour before it opens. So oh. we end up just kind of hanging out, getting some breakfast around there. Yeah. Um, but it
1: works. Wow, the timing is a whole, a whole thing. Cause it's yeah. two lanes essentially. The whole yeah. way from Denver to the mountains, which is like 70 miles for people who don't know, right. 70 to 100 miles. And um, it's two lanes and you have to go through these tunnels. My friend Heather, shout out to Heather, she, her car broke down in the Eisenhower Tunnel in oh. December. <laughs> I was like, oh, you were the one that day. That was like a <laughs> 10-hour backup. Wow. Oh, man. Um, but it's crazy. And, and I was reading this article from the 90s about Colorado and business, but they mentioned like in the 80s, the, this, the population of Colorado or uh, Colorado as a whole like doubled almost uh-huh. like 1.6 million to 3 million um, because of the, the energy, I think the oil industry caused a lot of people to come sure. in but also technology, like just industry was growing here overall mm-hmm. so there's twice as many people in Colorado but I think 30, 40 years ago like skiing and snowboarding was much more of a niche oh, activity sure. and for it sure. wasn't like this big tourism thing I don't think people from Texas forty years ago came to call. Now they come by the millions.
2: Exactly. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And the oil industry. Do you remember what was on the recent ballot about, uh, like the distance that oil wells could be from residential and Mm -hmm. commercial? Right. Yeah. No new
1: um, developments. I think. Was Was that passed? Um, Yes, it was. It was was passed by by kind of a I think it was like fifty five. 45, yeah. They, the, the opposition does tons of like ad campaigns. That I of course.
2: I mean, I remember, you know, reading opposition because on the face value as somebody who's, you know, kind of left, I'm like, oh, absolutely pass the mm-hmm. regulation. But, you know, you look at the opposition research saying it's going to kill you know, thousands of jobs and hurt the economy. Mm-hmm. You really have to start thinking of it differently. Mm-hmm. And so now that it did pass, it'll be inter- interesting to see kind of what comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, All of those effects usually, you know, take quite a while to uh, to show up.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah i it's my political leanings are usually um like they're they're usually uncompromising in that like i'm not an incrementalist Mm -hmm. um and so even i when we were at the women's march this woman was like hey i'm running against um cory gardner for senate um next next election and she had this little flyer and it said something like preserving the dignity of like what her fourth bullet point, like below like healthcare for all and all the typical progressive points. It was like preserving the dignity of the mining industry um, while transitioning Colorado to, to green um, with the green new deal. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was like, Oh fuck this preserving the dignity of the mining industry. She's a very like, she's not an incrementalist. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. um, Yeah. Like whether you think the economy will suffer or whether it's worth it for the economy to suffer or whether like, like people rich people will leave and and like when it right. comes to taxes or whatever um, it's an interesting argument to be made whether you do something slowly and you try out like incrementally different measures or if you're just like no this is my platform and this is what I this is what I know will work because right. i've seen the data whether and, but you might be wrong but,
2: but it does seem like in you know regards to oil and you know gas and kind of you know old energies or mm-hmm. non clean energies Fossil fuels—that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> when yeah. it comes to fossil fuels, then you—you know—a lot of scientists are saying we don't really have the time to be incremental, mm-hmm. right? Like we have to act now, and yeah. it almost feels too late already. But uh, right, that's yeah,
1: right, because we—I uh, we mentioned this on the last podcast. You can't stop all industry.
2: Yep, exactly, overnight. exactly. So that was going to be interesting in the next few decades to see where this all goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, on the last part, I was thinking that I don't think it'll be massive. I think there might be massive die-off. I don't think it'll be total human die-off, but there's a scenario where there's enough natural disasters and flooding where just, like, dozens of millions of, like, 100 million people dying worldwide. Like, I could see that being a headline in 30 years. Yeah, We, have, we didn't have a Spanish flu or anything mm-hmm. um, the past 80 years or so. Right, right. That could be what does it.
2: True. And we've, able to, we've been able to kind of technical, technologically get out of those you know, pandemics, in a mm-hmm. sense. And, you know, hopefully we can technologically get out of these you know, dire predictions that scientists are you know, assuming will happen. Um, so I, I do think that there are always going to be kind of future technologies we can't even fathom that mm-hmm. might be able to get us out of these situations, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: hard to say now.
1: Every time, I, when, even when I were on vacation, I told you we were in Morocco and Spain. Um, we run into people of all countries, but a lot of Dutch people are mm-hmm. around in Morocco and Spain. And whenever I meet a person from the Netherlands, I'm always like, talking about how like you people know how to, how to live below sea level and live and manage flood flooding mm-hmm. and uh, American engineering firms or like the coast guard or the army corps of engineers are starting to like recruit and get research from these Dutch um, firms because they like most of the country is under sea level. Right. And right. They have to manage all these floods. But in our country, we have tons of people that live in flood flooded areas and we have this flood insurance situation. Do you know about flood insurance?
2: Yeah. Did you happen to see the sixty minutes episode about all this? There I don't
1: was. Know it, I saw something. Something, there, was a couple, something.
2: A couple months ago, they had a whole thing about how they were you know using the Dutch architects and their engineers ah, to like figure cool. out how to build our cities, you know, to prevent flooding mm. instead of, as you say, just using insurance and just like knowing it's going to happen and trying mm. to fix it, you know, cycle after cycle. Yeah. Um, but to convince these communities to mm-hmm. actually you know, uproot themselves, really, and, you know, undergo these massive construction projects is very difficult. Um, people tend to not want to think in the long-term, I've noticed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally, well, did, in that 60 minutes, did was there people, did they interview people who were like, I ain't fucking moving? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't think they interviewed those people, but they definitely alluded to it and talked about yeah. kind of those issues, kind of convincing the community. Okay, I yeah. think
1: I saw like a Vox or Vice, one of those, uh-huh. where they're like interviewing some dude in New York, um, near one of the airports. Uh-huh. And he's like, I fucking loved it. Why the fuck would I move? It's the greatest place ever. It's like on the beach near JFK. Uh-huh. And it's like every year he's standing in his driveway saying this. this <laughs> He's flooded. Really? His driveway's flooded. He's up to his ankles or his knees in water. And he's like, no, I love this place. I'm just going to get the insurance and, you know, rebuild. And he's like, this is what we do. We're New Yorkers. I'm like, oh.
2: Yeah. This that's, guy. I mean, that is the epitome of our government right there. That literally, I mean, that is our problem and it's just such a shame it's yeah. all it's all about you know next quarter profits mm. all that stuff that's why we can't fix our issues
1: and apparently the flood insurance started because we were like people are rational they'll move out of these flooded areas and some people refuse to and then they interviewed this this woman in in Kentucky who can't move she's like this house has been on the market for like 10 years
0: like no uh, one's yeah. buying this shit yeah. we're in the
1: mountains coal country like it's, no one's buying this house, I need this to live. Right. So she keeps collecting the flood insurance money. Yeah, and keeps rebuilding.
2: Yeah. For some people there really isn't a choice. It's crazy, it's, what
1: a yeah. up, we have a lot of weird problems. So true. <laughs> My dad was like, I'm glad I'm dying soon because this is the end, like he's like, this is Pax Romana, this is, <laughs> like we are. I'm like, yeah, I guess society's crumble, like everything dies, <laughs> That and is bodies. That's hilarious.
2: That's nice and pessimistic right there.
1: (laughs) I'm like, dad. And I was, and he was, he gets, he doesn't watch the news, but he was like, I was talking to my friend, who's a super rich guy, lives in Aspen. And um, this guy in Aspen watches Fox News. And he's like, so my friend watches the news, quote unquote. And he was like, you know, if the the taxes get raised, like if this country is going to go Democrat, because our president's nuts. Mm -hmm. My dad sees that as a neocon. Um, and he's like, the Democrats are going to win and they're going to push all their Democrat policies and the super rich people are going to leave. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. But first of all, I think that's un-American. Like you're unpatriotic. If the one reason you're here is tax breaks. Yeah. I love this country more than you. Mm -hmm. And I thought the Republicans were the party of patriotism. But also, um, I wish, um, that's why I'm a globalist. I think that if everybody was playing with the same rules, um, which could increase the chance of corruption if if everyone's make if if one body is making the rules for everybody. Mm-hmm. But if everybody was playing by the same rules, then those super rich people wouldn't be able to run around. And I think there's yeah, a reason a we point. have. I think there's a reason we have poor Mexicans and Hondurans like coming over the border right. because their rules are different than ours, and our rich people are able to take advantage of the rules that, that they don't have. Right.
2: I well, know, it's weird. I was just reading the story that you don't see much in the news. Is that poor Americans are flooding the Mexican border for lower cost healthcare. Oh, wow. And of course, I mean, you're never gonna see that on Fox News, but that's bigger than any caravan that's coming up our way, uh, which I think is kind of funny, ironic. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: but. um, Interesting,
1: I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Medical tourism, yeah.
2: Exactly, Um, because that whole system's kind of messed up over here. But yeah, having the same rules for everyone, I mean, seems cool but i feel like it's just so unrealistic you know talking about the elizabeth warren plan or uh, cortez plan to kind of like tax the wealthy more get it back to like i think reagan era tax taxes yeah um, or even
1: before yeah before reagan yeah. sure
2: I, yeah i, f- I forget uh-huh. when exactly yeah. but i mean i think those are at least somewhat realistic you can say like yeah. hey we'll make this law we'll test it we'll see what happens mm-hmm. um but <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I would like to see something like that
1: I think it it probably is easier, like because of globalization, it's probably easier for the super rich and these companies to move their shit mm-hmm. overseas. If if like taxes went back to the 1950s, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's my argument. Like ah, it's just the 50s when America was great, but it was probably harder for a company to just like move their shit. Right.
2: Exactly. That's a good point.
1: So yeah, maybe the world is to Like I'm not I'm not so stubborn that I'm that I'm not going to see that. But yeah, it'd be nice if if they couldn't like hide their money in tax havens. Oh, for My sure. dad was like, there's always going to be some asshole. There's always going to be some king or somebody to like park their money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, maybe, but I'm an optimist. So I think that we could, we could get there. But,
2: yeah, And there are a lot of very wealthy people who want to see that common sense taxing. Mm-hmm. Like look at Warren Buffett, you know, he says that he should be paying a higher tax and you know, obviously he gets probably quoted a lot for saying that and he's one of the world's wealthiest men. But mm-hmm. I think a lot, of wealthy people would kind of agree with that, um, as long as you can kind of show the value in the government. I mean, I can say a lot of wealthy people don't trust the government. I can say like in how that money is being spent, which right. is absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. So I think you would have to kind of combine that higher tax rate with a better budget yeah. in a sense um, and more controls on
1: spending. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. Yeah, and I've been trying to think more of the government as a product of who we are
0: mm-hmm.
1: like religion is, or um, what else we were talking about before that I think is, I like looking at as not something like outside of us and overarching us because people are like, oh, the government, this is what's wrong with the government. I'm like, you realize the government's just like a group of people getting together to decide like not to do certain things to each other. Like at the end of the day, it is collective action. And um Back in my conspiracy days, I used to say that government means govern means to control, and mente is Latin for mind. It's like mind control, oh. but it's like, but it's yeah, it's like collective people coming together so that we can like agree on things. Yeah. <laughs> um, you kind of need one. You don't need a nation state, but you need a government. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, people people also equate nation states with governments, and that's that's a little off because nation states are new, York. but. Um, yeah, we live, I think we live in a very interesting time. I'm, like, excited to live in this time, even though it's scary. Yeah. As a white man, I'm not, like, a danger. <laughs> that's As a white man, true. like, living in Colorado, yeah. in the
2: northeast, Middle class, like, you're pretty, pretty set here.
1: <laughs> I think a lot of people sit on the sidelines yeah. in Colorado. People like to be apolitical, um, and, uh, or, or just not go the extra mile or be thoughtful about it. Because life is so good here.
2: That is true. Yeah. But still, uh, I knew a lot of people who didn't vote in the 16 election. It really bothered me. If we lived in a red state, then mm. I would be more bothered. But mm. you know, since we were easily blue, I guess not as big a deal,
0: but yeah,
2: let's exactly. people, a lot of people are just completely apathetic and don't really even know what's going on, mm-hmm. which is scary.
1: Yeah. I, that's what I love the culture of Colorado. I think it's so interesting here, like <clears throat> whether it's business culture or fashion, um, there's I think a very unique thing um, here and um, I was reading this article from 1998 in the New York Times about like Colorado is a place where like people are into mindfulness and, and like it's surveys say up to 40% of executives do some sort of mindfulness training and um, whether it's like weekend retreats and back in the 90s this was like super new and now a lot of companies have adopted this um, but I think, color, yeah, people self-selectively move to Colorado, like we were saying before, for the skiing. Right. And people move here because there's an atmosphere of acceptance. And people here don't want to think too hardly about things like that. And I can, I can empathize with that. Like, this is complicated, headache-inducing shit. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, like, women's rights and, like, sexual assault and, like, like letting these crazy men, like, have guns who, who have – who have um, like um, domestic violence right. charges, and like that's like I don't want to fucking think about that, but like it's right. a responsibility <clears throat> kind of thing. So
2: I think a lot of people are also just on top of that pessimistic. You know, you start talking about that stuff, they're like, "Oh, it's all shit," and like you know, nothing's really mm-hmm. moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah.
1: both sides are to blame. There's a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, something yeah called uh, I think it's called false equivalency. It's like a fancy false equivalence is a fancy thing I've been looking at. It's a logical fallacy in which two completely opposing arguments appear to be logically equivalent when in fact they're not. Um, I'd want to use an example, but it's like, um, it's like there's when Trump said there's good people on both sides. um, When at the Charlottesville racist Mm -hmm. rally by saying there's good people on both sides and and there's a lot of blame to go around when you say that, that's equating the left. You're saying like there's parts of the left that are just as bad as parts right. of the right. Exactly. And, and that's not, that's a fallacy. It's it fallacy. is.
2: Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Wow.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you about, about being a neighbor. Do you sure. know? Do, we're neighbors. We live in buildings across from each other. Yeah. Wildly changes subject. Uh huh. Um, do you know a lot of a lot of your neighbors in this building?
2: I only know a couple others, maybe like three or four. I only really hang out with one other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I've been here for three years. I feel like I should be meeting more people, but you know, I again, I'm meeting people through my job, and I'm hanging out with friends yeah. kind of outside of here. And yeah, it's sometimes kind of hard to meet up with people who you just kinda see in the hallway day to day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah.
1: It takes such an effort to be like, let's, you're coming over for dinner, like, or we're going out to a complete stranger. Um, It's like, I know it's a good thing to do, but I don't do that. Right. I I say hi, I try to remember names, you know. That's
2: funny, I think like, so many people feel that way. So I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of like, kind of missed connections there. Just because people are always like, a little iffy about that. Mm -hmm. and again, because as we were saying at the beginning here, that like your online network allows you to kind of meet so many different people mm-hmm. and kind of go to all these different events. Like, you know, back a couple of decades ago, I think your neighbors were more important to be close to yeah. because that, you know, that was your little local network. So mm-hmm. it's a little different now.
1: Yeah, there's, it is so different. My great uncle, uncle Jimmy um, who died at 95, he was in the battle of the bulge. Wow. Yeah. And he was on D-Day. He was one of like, there was like a hundred men who were both.
0: Wow. And um, yeah.
1: Um, and a fucking bed sores took him in
0: 95
1: just to show
0: you how weird
1: life is. But um, d- awesome dude. And there's this great picture of this old picture of him, of him like on the rooftop of the apartment building in the Bronx that his whole family lived in. And it's him like with one knee up on the on the ledge mm-hmm. like looking over down on the street. And my dad said like that was Uncle Jimmy like every day after work. Um, he would come home from work and he would stand up there and on the weekends he would, he would be up there a lot and he would just watch over the neighborhood. And, That's like, cool. Everyone knew like they were safe and like he knew everybody. Yeah. And I mean, things like sexual assault and like, like mistreatment of like the mentally ill, like there was a lot of weird fucked up stuff about back then. But it's an interesting thing where you would have this neighborly
2: right community. Well, and what would Uncle Jimmy be doing after work today in 2019? You know, They're watching probably, YouTube, right? Yeah, like you know, putting on the news or like
1: yeah, yeah I don't know what s- Uncle Jimmy would? Yeah, yeah, probably putting on the news. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was like a city worker. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I also think like nutrition has a lot to do with people's like lethargy. Uh-huh. I'm convinced that like the reason people are irritable. Or um, feel like they don't have any energy after work, um, so they're not like, or they don't want to like get bothered in politics. Um, I'm a, I, am can, I get obsessive about everything, but I feel like the, the the complex carbs and like the high fructose corn syrup and artificial flavors and preservatives and like overcaffeination mixed with not getting enough sleep.
2: And on top of that, looking at screens all day.
1: Yeah, and looking yeah. at screens all yeah. day. Yeah. So it's like such a weird physical situation um uh, like we during the 60s and 70s we had incredible economic success in this country but which was great for so many reasons but i think it was bad in the sense that or in the in the one sense of our nutrition um fast food and frozen dinners and canned Mm -hmm. ham and these conveniences became like super enviable Mm -hmm. in america around the world but we were the ones who could afford it whereas like in italy they were in the middle of a depression or like most of Europe, mm-hmm. um, just not doing great. So they were still relying on farms and farmers markets and non-GMO products and like animals that weren't factory raised. Mm-hmm. So like, it's weird how their economic, um, um, like lack of, lack of economic success has allowed them to preserve like this good food culture.
2: Huh. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, yeah, if I, anytime I've been in Europe, just like the food there is just always, you just know it's higher quality from tasting it. It's just everything they use is much more locally sourced. Yeah. Um,
1: We're lucky here, Colorado's like that, but but Europe is certainly yeah. Where do you have a favorite country besides the U.S.?
2: Hmm. Amsterdam was really cool. Hmm. I'd say Italy also something. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, those are. I think those might be my two favorites. Yeah. The Netherlands is, I love the Dutch people.
2: Yeah. So I only, yeah, I only went to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I would, mm-hmm. I would have loved to explore more of like the countryside. Cause I've seen online just like beautiful pictures. Of, mm-hmm. I think that's where they have like those tulip fields. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm going <laughs> in May. Oh, nice. You want to come? Put Maybe. In some, I know you just got a new Dude, job. I, I gotta, I'm doing remote work. Maybe it'll be easier to just like hop yeah, on a plane. Yeah, I'm doing remote work too. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm doing some work while I'm over there. I'll have to talk
2: about that. <laughs> we'll be there for
1: thirteen days. Wow! Um, in May, because that's when the tulips are in bloom.
2: Oh, nice! So you're going? Are you going for the tulips?
1: Yeah, they have the festivals in April, so oh. we're missing the festival. But we don't want to be there during the craziness. Like right. The the gardens
2: are in full bloom. So interesting. They still selling mushrooms in Amsterdam?
1: They call them truffles now, because of the law.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure. I saw I knew it changed, but like mm-hmm. I wasn't sure.
1: Yeah. So they used to be. Allowed to sell uh, psilocybin mushrooms, which is gonna, possibly going to be decriminalized here. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so they used to sell them in the Netherlands, but uh, like one person uh, fell off, like jumped off a roof or something. There was like some weird. Oh, it was shit like some down. French
2: girl who was yeah. like depressed, and then yeah, there's some weird shit going that, yeah. down.
1: Because those are powerful psychedelics, of course. Especially when they're grown like in a legal setting, you can just crank them out. You see how good quality, like how high potent the weed is, right? Um, versus the 70s. So, like, it's probably potent psilocybin. Um, And also, I'm a spiritual person. I I believe in the the vibration, the energy, and, like, if this thing's packaged in plastic and, like, it's an industrial process, like, I don't know how my set and setting
0: Mm.
1: is going to be affected by that. Interesting. I I feel the same way about meat if it's had a stressful life. Interesting. Um, But that's my weird take (laughs) on things. So, anyway, they changed the law. Right. But they said, mushrooms are legal. No psilocybin containing. Okay. And the difference between a mushroom and – so a mushroom starts as a mycelium network under the ground. And after it reaches a certain threshold or or point in its life cycle, it blossoms into a mushroom.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And this has to do with oxygen at some point. And so these manufacturers figured out if they just keep growing them in sealed plastic bags, they'll never bloom into mushrooms. They will remain – they will go from mycelium to compact mushroom-like things that grow under the ground, and those are called truffles. A but truffle is a mushroom that doesn't grow above ground.
2: But is it still psilocybin? It's still
1: tons of psilocybin, like crammed with it. But, so it's, it's still the same organism, but because of a loophole in this law, uh-huh. and the loophole hasn't been closed, so I don't know what the deal is because you can still get fucked up. That's They're called uh, smart shops you go to, not, okay. not coffee shops. You have to go to smart shops, and it's these weird like – Turkish dudes or whoever who are like, yes, it's
0: very good. And they are like, oh, this is weird. Oh, yeah.
2: that's so strange. I, <laughs> that just shows the, you know, absurdity of certain laws. Just that makes make sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but at least you can maybe do them and go look at some tulips.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be, yeah. And you can get on a bike, which sounds.
2: Oh, hilarious. I wouldn't be doing that.
1: <laughs> they have like bike highways there.
2: Right, for right. listeners
1: who have never been there, yeah.
2: That, that sounds cool. Because I'm, I'm a big biker. Me too. And, you know, Denver is a pretty bike-friendly city, mm-hmm. but nothing like what you see in some of those European cities where, like, you know, everybody's biking. Um,
1: yeah, it's, it's beyond bike-friendly.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: Bike-centric.
2: Yeah. It would be cool if we had something like that here. You'd probably see more people biking. But...
1: It is a whole cultural thing. Um, yeah, it's like, just a, it's like a school of fish. Yeah. The stream. Just, and you kind of got to... Hop on, it's a weird, it's a fun exhilarating thing. Actually.
2: It's like it's like a Peloton across anywhere in the city. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all the bikes look the same. Mm-hmm. They're all cheap. I've seen plenty of them not locked up there. Cause they're That's, all little cruisers or whatever.
2: I went uh, so the new shared space I'm working at, I was just walking around for a break. And I saw, there's like, there's a bike shop near there. It's called, I think, Tribella. Mm. And I went in there and they have road bikes. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I asked the guy and I was like, oh, where's the what's the price range on these? He's like, oh, they're starting at thirty seven hundred. Whoa. Like, what? Damn. Like some people just go all out on those mm-hmm. bikes.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I bought a bike in college that was like twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. It was well, it was a used Le Monde. So the original was like a two thousand it was like a two thousand dollar bike and that was crazy. That do was you a big st- purchase. Do you still like? Yeah, I have a I have a little fixie. Oh, okay. And um I used to have a, another bike that got stolen, boo-hoo.
2: I've had two bikes stolen here in Denver. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. that's the Denver thing.
1: <laughs> I, Eva's never ridden, rode a bike, so um, when she found out that like my bike got stolen, she was like, how could this happen?" like? And I'm like, if every bike owner, and she was like, man, when I tell my friends who own bikes like that you lost, that your bike got stolen, they're like, heartbroken. And, like, like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's a thing in the community. Yeah. And only if you've never owned a bike, you don't realize how easy it is to get it stolen no matter how big the chain is. Right. Like if your timing's off just one night.
2: Yep. If this building here that we're in, like our, in our garage, people lock their bikes up on, you know, the HOA suggested, you know, bike locks that kind of mount to the concrete in the garage. Right. And some guys came through a few weeks ago just to just smash and grab and grab, probably, I don't know, maybe five or six bikes. Uh, yeah. Fortunately mine somehow, it might somehow is maybe shitty enough. They didn't want it, but
1: was, well, look at the draw. Out yeah, exactly, right
2: exactly. Mm. God. I don't know if you're, because you guys have a separate garage, right? Yes. So have you guys had problems in your garage?
1: Um, there has been no, there was a notice of people getting bikes stolen, yeah. but it might have been your building.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and we're two levels down. You know how the parking oh. garage is a spiral that keeps going down. Oh. So we're on B2 for all those listeners who care. <laughs> and, but in terms of bike safety, I feel like that's a lot safer. Oh, for sure. If I'm stealing a bike, I'm going shallow.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on one. So wow. no, that makes sense.
1: Aye. yeah, Aye. aye. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that, um, I, I once, back to being a neighbor, mm-hmm. since we're talking about, um, the garage, I once <clears throat> heard this, um, or read this thing about, or the psychologist figured out or theorized that a person can, um, Psychologically care for like 150 people at a time, okay, something like that. <laughs> and this is probably some crazy
0: whack a mole theory, but
1: it was this guy was thinking about how, like, you had this capacity for, for caring,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and traditionally, like, it would work with your family structure or your like little community. And, um, the, he was there was maybe an opinion piece where this person was talking about how maybe this is why <clears throat> the social media has has become popular and also the celebrity culture like the obsession with like the Kardashians or whoever it is because we don't have like we don't talk to our neighbors and so we gotta care about something
2: yeah that's like your kind of internet neighbor in a sense yeah Oof, I the whole Kardashian thing I just do not understand that
1: yeah it's almost like palace intrigue it's so weird like so some
2: of my coworkers were into it like people I work with on a day-to-day basis, mm. I find out one day that they're, they're following the Kardashians and are reading every post. Right. What's happening? But uh, I'll never understand. But hey, I'm sure I do things they don't understand, so it's all fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't understand like uh, going to concerts. Do you go to yeah. shows? Do
2: yeah, I'll go, I'll go to some. I'm not like super into it, but I'll mm. try. I'll probably go to like four or
1: six a year, something mm. like that, yeah. Um, Eva was saying that her or pa- somebody, some two people in her family found out when they were like super old, like 70 or 80, they went to the doctor and got their ears checked. They found out that they were missing some part of like the middle part of their ear that allows you to control volume. And that's why they, they neither of them ever liked live music. Interesting. And they never understood why people did. Wow. And they were always super sensitive and they never knew that they had this like condition. Huh. Wow. Yeah.
2: I've always thought it'd be cool to take like, I feel like there are a lot of probably old people out there that haven't been to a live show in decades, right? Mm-hmm. And if you like the modern kind of electronic shows and the light shows they put on are so <laughs> insane. Yeah. But I feel like some, you know, some of those old folks would really get a kick out of that. And I also am super excited, like by the time I'm 60 or 70, mm-hmm. to go to some shows. I can't even imagine what they would look like. Uh, but I bet they would be pretty badass. I guess like virtual
1: reality would be a component. There would have to be some augmented reality. Like yeah shit popping out at you
2: yeah yeah i'd assume by that time everybody has like you know a pair of smart glasses just like yeah. everybody has an iphone today we're like, like you could tie it to the show and yeah like have a network and see everybody's seeing the same
1: crazy stuff mm-hmm. i was thinking cool. r kelly can be next to you you punch him in the face <laughs> fuck you r kelly yeah i love this show
2: did you watch the r kelly documentary? no oh. no it's sure good it's i didn't really know like know much about him mm-hmm. other than he pissed on some girl and had some weird sex cult right um but it's yeah he's messed up yeah
1: Yeah. it's um it's a classic predator story Mm -hmm. i mean a really weird uh, unique one
0: but yeah it's
1: like yeah that shit that shit happens um well brian singer is a director who has done a ton of stuff and there was this report that he's like denying it. he was like this is like a homophobic like smear campaign and like this is disgusting but he's this famous um director and he's done a ton of stuff but there's like there is this one where there's all these these men who were like boys at the time who said they were like one of singer's boys and that was like a hollywood thing amongst like up-and-coming mm-hmm. actors but he did the usual suspects and apt people and x-men x-men first class is he, major past.
2: is he out as a gay man
1: yeah he's okay, like okay. an openly gay man yeah. but um apparently he sexually assaulted minors well wow. it's like it's a weird Fucked up, I, but it happens. Yeah. It's been happening forever with men.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably believe the uh, allegations. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I don't know. I
2: feel like a, you're seeing it a lot. Like uh, there are a lot of you know wealthy, powerful men who who are like weirdly into like pedo type stuff. It's just so weird. Mm-hmm. um like catholic yeah. church of course is one example but also like, yeah totally. you learn more and more about like people in the government especially mm-hmm. my favorite is the the anti-gay like republican senator or congressman who gets caught with like some little boy somewhere
1: yeah some yeah boy. totally yeah the one so who's are in strongest denial yeah yeah um or push the, the policy strongest in one way
2: yeah so for any of those strongly anti-gay politicians i'm just assuming they have some boy somewhere yes. hidden in the closet
1: yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God. Who the oh, fuck Mike Pence. knows? Hopefully oh, he's just repressing and not, see, not acting out. Mike Pence you know I mean? probably has
2: many little boys hidden throughout the country. Dude, calling <laughs> his fucking
1: white mother.
2: Oh, uh, he's a little. Um, I actually went on a trip with Mike Pence. Oh, yes. Yeah, back when I was, I mean, I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. My mother's pretty involved with the Jewish community. This was in Indianapolis when Mike Pence was a congressman,
0: mm-hmm. I
2: think. And, you know, she was doing things, trying to kind of do Jewish outreach into Mm -hmm. local government and put together a trip to Israel with Mike Pence and Mm -hmm. his crew. Uh, And I went on that trip and I don't remember too much about it, to be fair. And I didn't even know who Mike Pence was at that point. Uh, Who did really? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I do remember that he and his family were always in the back of our bus when we go place to place, just reading the Bible, Mm -hmm. always reading the Bible. And I, I just thought it was so funny, even at the time. But uh, yeah, to think how far he's come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fully unknown.
1: unknown. <laughs> um Even I saw this movie, The Re-Education of Cameron Post, and it's about like a gay conversion therapy oh, thing, okay. which, which Mike Pence used to be mm-hmm. a supporter of, like a vocal supporter. He, he called this person a mentor who, who started all this gay, con- in Colorado Springs he called him a mentor. This is a, the base of a lot of this gay conversion therapies. Oh. Right oh, really?
2: Oh, yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yes. It's the same anti-abortion uh-huh. people. That makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. Chris, super scary. But um, this movie was really cool because it was this, this real story and it was a gay conversion therapy school um, or camp or whatever. And there was no physical abuse. There was no sexual abuse. It was like weird psychological, emotional abuse. You're taught to hate yourself
0: because wow. these, these are people being
1: themselves. And um it's, co- it's super coercive and the people who run these camps are suppressing their own homosexuality or that it's mm. the sister of the, the camp director who's, who's like super fucking you're bad you're bad and it's like it was a great thing it was a great thing to see because it wasn't it was a great example of how abuse doesn't have to be physical or overt mm. wow what's it called the re-education of Cameron Post. Interesting. Yeah, I check that out. Like and also, awesome. like these are children. Like that's so fucked up. Like yeah, because they don't have legal rights.
2: Right, right. So
1: they can't just, they just have exercise to, yeah, have their rights like an adult.
2: Do, oh. Yeah, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. All these rules, usually that you see it. I mean, I on the right, like things about you know no abortion, you know anti-gay, all that stuff. Like I just I feel like all these things are so great at just. Making sure there's less people, like mm-hmm. you know, a gay couple will adopt. That's great. They're mm-hmm. probably not going to have a kid. Uh, A what was what was the other thing I was just saying? Um,
1: <laughs> well, lowers the population. The, um,
2: the abortion thing, right? Yeah. Like if you look at how many oh, abortions yeah. there've been in the last you know thirty, forty years, it's like tens of millions. I didn't realize mm-hmm. just like how big that number is. Yeah, and like. If you, you know, you have that many extra people. Remember, we already are, you know, starting yeah. to look at issues with resources and overcrowding. Right. Like, why not just let people be free? Yeah. And you take, you, there's a
1: benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. And it's like, fucking, don't you want to go to heaven? Like, just go to heaven. <laughs> go to your fucking heaven with your God. Right. Like, leave me alone. Exactly. Exactly. Leave me on your cheek, dude. It's oh, crazy. Leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Go to your God. <laughs> totally. Let him smite me. <laughs> um, God, and P- Karen Pence, Mike Pence's wife, took this job recently, where she worked for eight or 12 years or something before. She's worked at this place before, and it's a, a, a school, that a private school that doesn't accept gay students or gay faculty or parents of uh, gay, gay, uh, parent, gay, gay parents, parents yeah, yeah. of students. And I, was, and, and I looked into the laws because I was like, how is this legal – because the Supreme Court has upheld um, the Equal Protections Clause of the 14th Amendment that ended trial slavery. Um, they've held that up as saying that you can't deny service to like gay people. Oh, okay. Like you can't go to the hospital hmm. and have a doctor say like, I will not, we will not service you because you're gay because uh, it's my religious beliefs. You can't do that. Um, so the pre- Supreme Court has upheld that, um, but because I think because, oh, it's because of what state this school is in. It depends on the state. Oh.
2: What's it? is it? Indiana? It's in Virginia. 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 Okay.
1: Yeah. So yeah. well, he's in DC. Um, so it depends on the state and I'm like, man, politics are crazy and this is why like you should get interested in politics, but, <laughs> um, and this is why you shouldn't say things like both sides are to blame and like, Oh, I don't like any of them. So like, you can not like any of them, but understand that one side is doing worse than the other. Like it's doing more harm.
2: Exactly. Have you had on your interviewing podcast, any, you know, right wing people?
1: Um, probably not. I have a lot of private conversations with friends who are right wing.
2: So I think it'd be interesting to, you know, have a discussion with somebody because they're going to disagree with everything you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in our little echo chamber right here, but I think it's always interesting to see kind of how, you know, somebody would respond to some of these comments though. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: One one thing I I'm so thankful for my friend Nathan who's they're like moderates honestly they're not like I don't I don't think they're Republican like 20 years ago or 10 uh-huh. years ago they'd be Democrats they're like moderates um, but my friend Nathan who's a Marine or a, a retired Marine um, <clears throat> and he was Special Forces he would we would have these great political conversations and debates about how society should be ran or whatever and at the end of it. Or, or in the middle of it, he would be like, you're forgetting, like, what, what is allowing all of this democracy to happen? And, like, what is the thing that is behind um, making sure there aren't dictators or Nazis in the world um, or Nazis in power like Hitler? And he was essentially saying that, like, the reason that we have government, any, uh, government at all is because the, the, the group of people with the biggest and most advanced guns and the, the people with the most killing power Essentially, decide. Okay, we're going to stop fighting now. We're going to settle down, and we're going to make some laws and um, and make it hopefully be like as equal as possible in a more perfect right. union. And he's saying like this is only possible through military action. And I'm I'm so respectful of that now. Like he opened my eyes to that because mm-hmm. I'll you know I'll, I'll just dismiss like why do we need F thirty fours or whatever. Sure, sure. And he'll be like, well, you got to remember, and I'm like, okay, but. Also, like, look at who takes care of veterans more. It's Democrats. (laughs) Anyway, he brings an interesting
0: perspective.
2: Well, you know, I've read kind of similar opinions when you look at nuclear weapons, right? Mm -hmm. So since nukes were kind of invented, there hasn't been a large scale global conflict, right? Mm -hmm. It feels sometimes like we've been on the the edge. But, you know, partly, is it because we have nukes? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there wasn't this weapon that could easily destroy cities, like maybe people would be less afraid to go to war again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the stakes have become so high. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, you're kind of playing on this tightrope, but in a sense that tightrope is making you safer, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do fall off that tightrope again, as we did, let's say, in World War I and Two, you know, there might not be anything left.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I've talked about this a lot on the pod, but I think we probably need like a unifying external force to get us to to get to globalism in Mm -hmm. a, in a better way. Um, and to, to like, rather than building up arms against each other, Mm um, I'm sure if there was a hostile alien life form Mm -hmm. that was coming here, like we would probably band together. Um, but we do have like a hostile, um, threat, which is global climate change. And so like, I think most of the world is like, okay, we need to, that's what we're kind of coming around and making rules around that, which the right. U.S. is bucking them to Trump. <laughs> sure. But hopefully, we won't kill up completely kill ourselves um, before we get there. But yeah, I think we might need like an external, something besides a nation state to like threaten us. Yeah, yeah. To get
2: us to stop. Something more immediate. To, I mean, global warming—it's not immediate enough. Again, talking yeah. about the short term. Yeah. You know, at least what we're seeing in the U.S. is like mm-hmm. it's all about profits instead, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame. But yeah, aliens—I don't know if we'll be seeing that anytime soon.
1: <laughs> well, do you think aliens are out there?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, right. I mean, what? Fifteen years ago, now any scientist could have said maybe there's other intelligent life. Now they can say with almost certainty that there's at least. Tens of billions of Earth-like planets in just our galaxy. Wow! I mean, it's crazy. Like,
0: damn. Yeah, we know
2: so much more. Um, It's a lot of
1: rolls of the dice.
2: Yeah, but Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's yeah the math, the
2: numbers. Do you think they've been here? Could be possibly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think like the Roswell stuff. We talked about this with uh, Lee on the podcast, but I yeah, I think um, I think once nuclear power became a thing, Mm -hmm. once we harnessed nuclear energy, I think that might allow us to get science to travel uh interstellar mm-hmm. um interstellary but i don't i and also i think it has the power to like destroy mm-hmm. a ton of shit so maybe like at that point the aliens were like ah we got to
2: it's like our signal. we got to
1: intervene yeah like these people Without for before too long, maybe 100 or 200 years are going to be able to come to our planet and drop these things. Right, right. So let's, we got to fucking check in. <laughs> that makes
2: sense. I think um, that's so a, I can
1: see that, because so New Mexico's where a bunch of testing was done. Right?
2: That's a really good point. They, there's also a theory. There's, I think there was something that was kind of declassified recently about the Roswell incident, saying that it was maybe actually Russians who were like Mm. trying to do spying and they were like purposefully using disfigured children as pilots or something to make it seem like it was aliens I don't know but that's a
1: great Russian
0: plot.
2: the thing is like (laughs) what's what's more believable though I don't know like both of those are like insane right (laughs) um I don't know if you've seen any of like the recent news like talking like the New York Times article from last year I mean it seems like they're starting to declassify and come out with a lot of stuff like and the new york times did a big expose about how the the military the pentagon spent like 22 million dollars studying ufos back a while ago Mm -hmm. um and how it was all over like fox news and cnn i remember watching tucker carlson who i hate with a passion uh interviewing some guy talking about like you know the the ufos they have on tape and like showing it on the news i thought like is this when they're gonna start telling us the truth maybe yeah but then it just kind of all went away so it's so weird. I don't weird. know. <laughs> well,
1: there's a lot of like, I guess, domestic news to like dominate the, the headlines.
2: I guess. But Trump's I mean, fucked up.
1: <laughs> we'll get to
2: aliens later. we gotta to
1: <laughs> with this like
0: homegrown. This is more
2: pressing. Homegrown <laughs> issue. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it would be cool if that, you know, that trickle of news turns into a flood, hopefully mm-hmm. in our lifetime. So maybe, we'll, maybe we'll actually know something.
1: Yeah. And there's so much we don't know. Like scientists, I think get, hung up in like what, what they know as being all that there is. Mm-hmm. And if you can't observe something, how could you, like in, in science, if you can't observe something, it doesn't exist except quantum physics has started, like is the right. first yeah. science <laughs> I think to like be like, well, we can use math and use and look at what the forces that are exerting on other forces and find the things we're not observing by the process of deduction, essentially. Exactly. Um, so, but but a lot of scientists are still stuck in that, like, well, if I can't observe it, then, like, it's not true. Right, right. It's like, well, you should at least be agnostic, like, open-minded
0: about it.
2: Well, the coolest thing about the quantum world is that the idea that Observing something changes it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, and that, like, I've I've tried to dive into that a little bit, like reading some stuff, and Mm -hmm. it's so complex. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you heard like the double slit experiment. Sure, love the double slit. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Um, that's so cool. (laughs) But yeah, so it makes you. It's almost like rendering a video game in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like if the player or the user is not looking in that direction, there's no point in showing whatever it has to show. Yeah, and it's just it's so weird.
1: Yeah, and to me, I've thought about how it's like our matter is held in place by every other piece of matter in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, when I do a lot of LSD, the, because I think it, it disrupts the um, temporal parietal junction, which is where um, you get the sensation that who you are ends at the end of your skin, uh, but, um, but it affects your visual field. And so I think you see, like sometimes I see things mm-hmm. kind of coming apart where mm-hmm. it looks like things are being held together Um, almost like a rotoscope uh, vision effect. Like if you've seen waking life or a scanner darkly, like a moving oil painting. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think that that is what the universe is like, like as quantum physicists explain it, like your matter is reinforced your physical existence. The thing that makes this, the reason that like you can't punch through the wall Mm -hmm. is because there's billions of other um, observers reinforcing that this wall is here mm-hmm. because a lot of people with quantum physics are like well why can't i like pass through walls if, right if if everything is nothing and like i don't know I'm are going you saying do you
2: walls. think what do you think once we master quantum physics maybe we can walk through walls is that what you're trying to say um, <laughs> or maybe if you just take enough well, lsd
1: <laughs> no i think well i think that this ties into the nuclear science thing and why aliens came here why i think aliens might have come here in roswell because I think there's something to splitting the atom and understanding quantum physics and being able to manipulate gravity. Mm-hmm. There's like and because people theorize that like the way we'd be able to travel that far, interstellar wise, would be to manipulate like the space time yeah. in front and behind the ship yeah. rather than like powering the ship. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would that's equivalent to walking through walls. Sure. sure. Just the ship. Yeah. Moving through space. Yeah, that makes sense. No, wow,
2: weird. I don't think we'll be able to see that day ourselves, unfortunately. But
1: yeah, but it might be the guinea pigs, like the lab-grown meat that we'll be guinea pigs for. Right, right. Maybe we'll be guinea pigs for interstellar travel, like um that Chris Pratt movie where he wakes up halfway through. Oh
2: yeah, Passengers. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I've only seen that movie like at a distance, like not paying attention. I want to see it. In oh,
2: trouble. it's actually like pretty good. I watched it at home one day when I was bored. I was like, it just kind of showed up on my feet. I was like, I guess I'll watch that. Yeah, and it was surprisingly cool. good.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good, like, Lazy Saturday or, like, just a random, like, let me throw this on. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. On this podcast, we talk about essentially 10 movies, 20 bands, and, like, a few other topics, but um, we've never talked about that one because I've never seen it, but I think it's probably similar to Interstellar and Arrival
0: Mm -hmm. and Annihilation.
2: Um, I put
1: those in the same category.
2: I feel like Arrival is outclasses those other two for sure okay. i thought arrival was so good yeah that's um, the,
1: that's the number one of yeah the, the unnecessary podcast yeah work.
2: and then annihilation i don't know it was a little weird the ending was just way too trippy for me i couldn't handle it
1: <laughs> it was a really different i think it was a difficult thing to visualize i was talking yeah. about this on the last pod yeah it's probably a, a tall task
2: i was just thinking the it's director hard must hard. have done like a lot of dmt or something
1: <laughs> well the, my thing, my favorite thing about the end of the, the movie Annihilation is the music, the song. I don't know if you, um, I don't know if you remember the music. It's like really fucking weird. Um, let's see if this is it.
2: <laughs> I don't remember what you're talking about.
1: It's like very highly distorted. And yeah, yeah. this is it. Yeah. It's like this weird. I don't know. Is it like a horn that they've distorted? But I really like that. It's super creepy. It, it's know? cool. It's different.
0: It's
1: like, dude. And there's kind of a beat, there's kind of a rhythm to it. Like I'm sure there's a cadence, but it's too slow to, for me to pick up on. Like it just gives me this very uneasy feeling. So, there's that.
2: <laughs> I may want to watch that one again actually at some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I um I like thinking about how it's about Mm self-destruction and of course i'm going to rehash it like the last pod but i think that the shimmer the alien thing that came was uh was a better a differently evolved organism than ours that was like almost more evolved and like better because our our dna is based on self-destruction and this one was based on adaptation and growth and it was almost like a new Garden of Eden that, that had landed. Right. It was going to like cleanse and replenish the earth because um, the biology on earth is based on self-destruction. We have apoptosis where the cell controls like or uh, programs itself uh-huh. to die. And we have like addiction and we have cancer and we have um, things like that kill us and destroy us or people cut themselves. Like, and that's what the movie was all about because all those people had different things that were self-destructive about themselves and Natalie Portman's character at the end taught the weird chrome blob monster um, to, to self-destruct. And she like handed oh. it the grenade and then that thing like fucking set fire. Oh everything. yeah. It's, it's difficult to pull off, but I thought it was a cool movie.
2: Yeah, An interesting. interesting. one. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Not as good as a rock. <laughs>
2: um,
1: did you see the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor?
2: Yes, I did. Do you like it? No. Did what no? I thought it was severely overrated. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Don't get me wrong, good Mr. Spice. Mr. Rogers is great. good I love Mr. Rogers, but the yeah. movie it, it felt like it felt like the trailer extended for 90 minutes. <laughs> it's just the 90 minutes. Like if that makes spice. sense, yeah. it was just like
0: Mr. Rogers
2: was so great. He yeah. did this. He, he weighed himself every day. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just I'm like, loving this take. Um, I would have loved to see more about. God, it, it's been. A while. I don't even know what I wanted to see more of. But yeah. Something. I, it just wasn't for me.
1: God, that's uh, such a good take.
2: Call me a critic, but yeah. No, that's good.
1: <laughs> that's a good counterbalance. Um, I, no, you know.
2: Good. So when did that movie come out? Do you remember? Like a year ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I. I, I
0: off,
2: he weighs 143 pounds in the movie. Right. That's what, exactly what I weighed when I watched that movie. Oh, weird. 143 pounds. And I made a, a goal this year. I need to start gaining weight. I'm up to 155 pounds. So you now. don't have Mr. Rogers' weight? Exactly. After, <laughs> that movie inspired me. I was like, I can't be as thin
1: as Mr. Rogers. I, in a million years, if you give me 100 <laughs> guesses of what your takeaway was, I never would have thought it was the weight, because I forgot about that. Uh, that definitely happened. Yeah,
2: yeah. Funny. But super nice guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Did you watch him growing up?
2: Honestly, no, I did not. Um, I feel like I didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, or maybe my memory was just so bad. Um, I had a pretty big head injury when I was a teenager. And I like to blame that on my memory. Maybe Mm -hmm. not all the weed I smoked. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, also, it was bigger, I think, a little before our time. Like, Mm -hmm. it was big when we were negative five to
2: four. That that is true. (laughs) But I guess also when I talk to friends my age about, like, the shows they watched, I don't remember that at all.
1: Hmm. So, what was that injury
2: um, alright so you know those scooters that are all over the place now Yeah, the e-scooters mm-hmm. I had the, the go-ped which is the motorized version of that it's yeah. like the rugged like the bigger wheels it goes 25 miles an hour
0: loud wow. engine and everything
2: and so I remember starting the engine and then the next thing I remember I'm just looking at the sun coming through the trees and apparently I've been knocked out for like five minutes and my friend told me that I was full speed going like looking back and then going over the handlebars like hitting a stick or something um, yeah. So, yeah. Did I, you have to a plate put in
0: or what? No. Anything bad? So, no.
2: So I was wearing what, well, like a major helmet, like with like the four inch pads. Okay. Still knocked out cold though. Without the helmet, I probably wouldn't have
1: made it. Was split. it split? Was the helmet
0: split?
2: It wasn't split. I think maybe it was a little dented. But all that I, I in was, your head. Yeah, I was wearing you like. Would have been dead. Yeah, I was wearing glasses and like lens popped out and kind of like slit me across the forehead. Ah. So I had to get some stitches there. Yeah. And then what else? I I just had a bad headache for a while. I mean, honestly, other than that, like it really wasn't that bad. I threw up in the hospital from the concussion. I remember I was, the whole memory's a little uh, hazy. Mm -hmm. But I remember like, Everything from when the par- paramedic kind of, like, started asking me to move my feet and everything. Fortunately, I wasn't paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, like, they put me on this stiff board with the neck brace and everything. Oh, my and, God. Um, Crazy. I remember, I remember, like, my head hurt so badly against the board. And I kept thinking that the board was just so hard. Yeah. And, of course, I just hit my head. And, like, it was bruised. Or Interesting. Um, and just
1: the feeling of the, of the solid. Yeah,
2: just, like, on the back of my head. which was just, ah. like, so painful. Mm. Um, and then I remember I was in some kind of, like, dark room waiting for something. And then I threw up, like, when I was on the neck brace, like, on my back.
1: So oh, my <laughs> God. That's so fancy. you a major concussion problem.
2: Yeah. Right? Oh, for sure. And I had to, like, move and, like, spit it out. It was disgusting. Um, <sighs> but, yeah. And then, you know, add on one more head injury, not as, not as big a deal. So now I can't remember what shows I watched as a child.
1: Did you have any post-traumatic <laughs> stress?
2: Um, no. No. I felt fine. Other than, like, the scooters these days that all of my friends ride, for the longest time, I just wouldn't touch them. Because like to me, they just seem so dangerous, mm-hmm. and nobody's wearing helmets. Um, but honestly, the last, yeah. the last couple of weeks, I've actually kind of opened up to start it to start mm-hmm. riding them a little more. I realize they do go a little slower. I, as an adult, I'm a little bit more focused on where I'm going. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I I know quite a few people who've fallen off one. Uh, one of my friends—the whole front snapped off. You said, like the handlebars and everything. He just went over. Um, so I—I th- I think a lot of people do not give the scooters the respect they deserve. I've seen so many people drunk on there, like yeah. wobbling, trying to you know figure out how to go.
1: I agree. I think on both sides, not enough respect. People who <laughs> don't like them and hate on them, and then the people who ride them—like everybody needs to respect these more.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's
1: useful seem to do, I like them
2: they're great i mean you know they cause their share problems but like what a fantastic idea that again wouldn't have been possible without the smartphone network Where like these ideas aren't really new mm-hmm. but the fact we can get it done now which is it's so, so cool. cool
1: you can just park them anywhere I exactly
2: love that. um mm-hmm. so did you know so bird i think is the one that started the scooter trend
1: i would think so well in the u.s yes because apparently they they, this bird startup, people who started it, like, we're like, we our business is about bringing things from other countries to the US. Oh, Apparently really? some other country, like maybe in Asia or
0: something. Oh, like and Red Bull, like a
1: couple cities. Yeah, that's
0: how
2: Red Bull started. Yeah, um, so anyway, but, yeah, they were the first ones in the US, I think. So, bird, um, they're the, they're the fastest company to get to a billion dollar valuation. Whoa, I think it took them like nine months or something, which is crazy. Yes. And the reason you see so many of these companies doing scooters now is because like all these investors are pouring money into this industry, hoping to be that next Uber, of course. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting. This all comes from a video I watched about the scooters. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs>
1: that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. What a, it's such a new industry. And like you said, like already so much money in it, right? Like overnight. Exactly. That's crazy. They just get they
2: dump these scooters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that these companies, it's, uh, ask for forgiveness and not permission. When it comes Mm -hmm. to expanding, they're not getting any kind of, any go ahead from local governments. They just dump them on the street and then they're ready to pay the fines. Well, Uber Um, did that kind of. And that's the thing, it was started by Uber people, as you said, right? And like, that's the strategy. And as dickish as it is, really, like that's how you grow to be a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to break rules. Mm -hmm. And I rather listen to, Have you ever listened to the Dollop podcast? No. shout out to the Dollop. (laughs) You're listening. listening. Uh, It's great. Like it's just like two comedians. It's an American history podcast. Um, They have one about Uber, and they talk about like kind of its history and how they got started and how like they were just such shitty people and how like the California kind of like state or city representatives and mm-hmm. uh, like the government representatives who like kind of approve these businesses mm-hmm. and like talk to all these entrepreneurs, they said that the Uber people, out of like thousands of businesses they talked to, just, like were absolutely the worst people to deal with. Wow. <laughs> Which is so funny to me. Um, but we really like to reward uh,
0: you know, the rule breakers, I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that's all, I guess they would just took startup culture to the extreme. Cause startup culture yeah. is like ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm do first that's
2: yeah. weird. or as Facebook says, you know, move fast and break things. Oh, God. But now they've broken our democracy.
1: So
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: another weird one. <laughs> I guess like big industry has always been a threat. See, this is why I'm a socialist. Like I know it could be wrong, but like I don't understand why more people don't feel, I guess more people are feeling this way. But like when it comes to bird, you know, there are bird chargers and lime chargers, yeah, people yeah. who collect them at night and um, they're It's like a minimum, maybe more than minimum wage job is $10 an hour, but like they should be, um, every company should be, uh, employee owned Mm -hmm. because then everyone shares in the profits. And if there's more automation, then they get to own essentially the machines. They own up a share of
0: the company.
1: So it's just like a way to, it's socialism, but like, it's a way to package it in Mm -hmm. a way that people can like understand. Um. The secret is like, yeah, just like the, the billionaire investors don't make tens of millions. They make one million off their investment. Like
2: boohoo. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a big boohoo for those guys. <laughs> not, yeah. They're the ones making the rules though. That's the tough part.
1: Yeah. And then the other argument is like people uh, will just be lazy. Like, well, we don't like with universal income and welfare. Like people are like, people are just going to be lazy and not work. I'm like, what do you think aristocrats do? What do you think I did for the first 23 years of my life? Like uh-huh. I did nothing. And apparently that's like enviable if you're rich, but if you're poor, it's, it's not allowed. And that's it's, weird. Yeah. Cause that's just aristocrats doing nothing and getting, having money.
2: I, I totally agree. There should be a universal basic income. Um, they're already testing it in certain cities, countries. Now. And like it shows that something like 97% of people receiving a UBI, as they call it, would be um, either furthering education looking for work or get or working mm-hmm. and you know, the drug use I think is actually lower than the average population. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, we kind of need to have something like that as we look into the, the future with more automation. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of these jobs aren't coming back and are not going to be replaced. Mm-hmm. So, now the
1: right wing response, I have heard this. It's yeah. like in Sweden, they're, lo- they're they're losing their money. They're going bankrupt in Sweden because they're getting so many immigrants coming into their country. Mm-hmm. And getting free paychecks, that it's like totally tanking
0: the economy. Mm, is and that I'm true? like,
1: that's interesting, and I'm like, that's why we need global. That's why they need they need the rules wherever yeah. the country they're coming from. Yeah, what's wrong with that country? Right, why, figure out why they're emigrating.
2: Or I guess you would have to get a lot more strict on your immigration, maybe if, if you do something. Yeah, and like that, that
1: and that universal uh, income right,
2: right. But also you say when like the right says something like that, my first question is like, is that actually true?
1: <laughs> <That's laughs> I'm like, like,
2: Cause I don't, I don't know if I really believe a lot of stuff. I hear.
1: Well, that's the other problem because to find that out, like if somebody says that to me, like some dumb family member, or whoever told me, it, I would have to like go on my phone, right. do like five to 10 minutes of reading or research and then come back to that person. Yeah, exactly. And then they're going to have some, they're going to move the goalpost and be and, like, well, no, it's about this.
2: And they would say the same thing to me about that 97% number that I just gave you. Mm-hmm. Is that true?
1: Right. That's why I just I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take your word for it and assume this is true. So let's uh, just find out what's wrong with that country and where <laughs> people are coming from.
2: So the stats I just gave you are from I watched this video. Have you heard of Kyrgyzstan? No. It's super good. What Shout out to Kyrgyzstan. Kurt Kyr- Kyr- <laughs> uh, go to YouTube. Kyr- Kyrgyzstan? Uh go to YouTube first.
1: I don't know what Kurt Kurt how
2: do uh, you spell that? Try K-Y-R-G at E S T that Yeah, the first one.
0: Whoa, weird. K U R
2: Z
1: G E S A G T.
2: So it's uh It's like an animated uh, video series. Oh, like, I've I should, seen
1: one of them. <laughs> I've okay. seen the War on Drugs. All right. Yeah,
2: it's like an animated video, educational video series. Founded or funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Really? Yeah, and they put together these really interesting five to ten minute old videos on different things. One of which was on the universal basic income. You're nice. looking at one now What you got GMOs, wormholes.
1: This uh, is dope. I'm totally, yeah, I saw the war on drugs one. There's, orca- is organic. Okay. It's I
2: haven't read, the, I haven't seen the organic one. Though there's one on vegetarianism. And that thing almost just convinced me right on the spot to stop eating meat, but it's mm-hmm. an addiction for me, so.
1: Right. <laughs> well, I remember your friend who we play poker with is a vegetarian. I forgot his name.
2: Zach, the blonde haired yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, Zach. Yeah,
1: yeah, Um, But yeah, because we were talking about because I mentioned a very specific um, omega fatty acid called DHA Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and EPA. And like, I'm pretty sure those are only in salmon, Mm -hmm. but um, there could be EPA in algae. There could be some in algae or seaweed, but I don't, there, there are two of the most, two important fatty acids in fish oil. If you do take supplements, fish oil is a better source of DHA than algae because it contains these fatty acids in the form that the body requires. So mm-hmm. algae contains DHA, but not in a bioavailable form. I don't know how bioavailable. Again, this is one of those things you'd have to do tons of research on. Right. Um, but I err on this. I take tons of fucking fish oil. And I eat fish and tuna all the time, but I still... Supplement. Interesting. Like, I take like six giant pills of fish oil every day. Really? Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. But um,
2: <laughs> do you like feel? I've never taken fish oil. Do you like? Do you burp up like that fish stuff? I don't know. Is there anything weird like that, or is
1: it just like any other pill? I bet everybody reacts differently. What about for you? I don't think for me. I think my one thing is sugar. If I eat too much sugar, my body stinks, my breath stinks, and my ass stink. Like it's weird. My feet stink. Like if I don't eat a lot of sugar my body stops smelling. Really? So I think everyone is different. Yeah, I think sugar and carbs is probably the mo- one of the most common mm-hmm. things that people have adverse reactions to. But I took this 23andMe and got in, and cranked the genetic data into Dr. Rhonda Patrick's um, program, who's like this doctor, this fitness doctor. Mm-hmm. And she gives sites a bunch of studies, small studies, because it's all new science about how this gene could be associated with this. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think everyone's different. Yeah. So I don't get the, the weird fish
2: situation. I might have to try that. I, re- I take some vitamin D sometimes because my doctor said I should take it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. I think I should try to look more into
1: that. Yeah. Well, f- luckily, I think in Colorado, we get more D than yeah, other people. Yeah. The altitude because we're closer. Right, right. And the air's thinner. Yep. Um, I think and it's good for
2: Colorado's- like, yeah, I think it's good for joints too. Because like my knee, so I tore my ACL. Mm-hmm. I have a couple herniated discs in the back. So like that kind of stuff. So that's that's the only reason I really take that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I also saw hmm, I think maybe it was you ever watched Frontline? No, yeah. it's very good. If you you seem like you'd be into it, like six, so. sixty minutes type thing. Do you yeah. know the show? Like I, you know? I know. Okay, yeah. Um, I think they were the ones that had one. If you search like Frontline vitamins uh-huh. or supplements, okay. Yes, there you go. Oh, it's really yeah. they had Oh, a, it's
1: like all fillers and shit. Well, or? just
2: talking about kind of the, the not corruption, but like just the so many kind of bad players in that industry and hmm. like so much false information. Yeah. And like if you really look at the studies, like what's actually not only in these pills, but what's really making a, a large enough benefit for mm-hmm. your body to yeah. actually make it worth taking these
1: pills. Mm-hmm.
2: I remember watching that and I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to take supplements anymore. <laughs>
1: it's like a whole, you really, I, I took an um, alternative medicine class in college at Penn State, oh, cool. which was great. And I have this big book on it. And I've done so much research, like literally like 10, 12 years of personal research. So, and it's, that's what it requires to like, know that you're taking the right stuff. And it's like fucking headache. Exactly. Um, and, and the vitamin D what's good about the vitamin D, why you should take that because that one does work because vitamin D is, um, Ooh, Michael showing me some CBD infused balm. I love CBD.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say if you want some balm, oh, go for it. I'll turn into medicine. I'm good, I'm
1: good. I have tons of <laughs> CBD at home. I do like 30 milligrams a day now. Oh really? The the oh yeah. wow. Uh, Natural Grocers has a really cheap, by the way. Really? Anyway, yeah, they just started selling CBD.
2: Wait, like how much are we talking? All right, getting off track here, but I'm very um,
1: curious. $30 for a thousand $1, milligrams. It's like a lot better than, it's like half the price of dispensaries. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so a little local Colorado thing, but CBD's sold everywhere, and, and it's if you buy it on Amazon, it might be 50, 60 bucks for 1,000 milligrams, but Natural Groceries has as low as 30. They have some that are 35 and 40, I went to the super cheap one, the tincture, because I wanted it under my tongue. So yeah, I'm doing like 30 milligrams a day.
2: You're blowing my mind. I recently got like a sample of it, mm-hmm. and- honestly i'm not too sold on it quite yet i think maybe parts placebo I'm not sure yeah. my back pain it's like a sciatic and nerve pain down my legs oh, so, wow. like they say cbd is really useful for that and when i've tried it like sometimes it feels like it helps but then again the pain goes on and off so much that i can't really tell um but i think i'm gonna buy some of that and go for it
1: yeah they have like bombs and tinctures and yeah it looked like good prices and i'm happy with it so that's far. cool
0: mm-hmm. All right, check that out
1: yeah i'm so glad that that's that's become a thing, um, like a a legal thing that people can buy. Right. Um, my cousin had surgery to, um, get her, she had a complete hysterectomy. So they just took out everything. (laughs) And, uh, and she does, does the CBD and she's like that, that and the vape pen for THC. She says the only thing that works, like it's better than the opioids that they were prescribing her and, and other things for pain and inflammation. Um, but yeah, I've, I've studied like a bunch of stuff for like dozens of years. I was mentioning the vitamin D does is bioavailable in the cheap form that you buy it because it's the same form that your body makes from the sun. Mm-hmm. There's no chemical difference, and they grow it on. They grow it. Uh, or no, essentially the process is they leave wax, they leave like beeswax mm-hmm. or like some inert wax out in the sun, and this wax, cause it's fat soluble. So like the wax creates vitamin D huh. and they just capsulate it. Really? And like it's, it's shelf stable That's and so cool. um, yeah. And you get your vitamin D. So it does work.
2: I feel like it's the audible version of uh, that show, how it's made. <laughs> I love, I love that show. <laughs> so many interesting
1: things. Mm. Yeah. I've, um I've definitely gone like deep down the rabbit hole with, with supplements. I spend so much money on supplements. Oh, really? It's <laughs> like, I think I spend like 200 bucks a month on yeah. stuff. Wow. Um, and then since I got this genetic report, I've learned about my homocysteine levels in my bloodstream are, are elevated because of genetics. I'm oh. like, or probably are, um, I would need a blood test to confirm, but my genetics say that it would be. So I need, I, I have to take these various like vitamin Bs and oh, interesting. random stuff. Huh. But now I'm just like, and some people are like, man, that, I would get too paranoid and, but I like it. I like knowing all the shit that's on oh, with me.
2: And I love to live in ignorance about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've been doing getting a lot of dental work, uh-huh. and I've had to avoid looking up lidocaine and
0: novocaine side effects because oh.
1: I'm sure there's like a list like, this person died, this person's paralyzed. I'm sure like, because if it's happened once, it's on the internet.
0: Yeah, so exactly. If it's one exactly. out of a
1: billion. So I'm like, you know, I need to get this done. I should um, just, if I need to get it done anyway, I can't. I shouldn't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, before my knee surgery, one of my friends was like, oh, have you heard of those people who, like, wake up during surgery? Right. And I'm like, yeah, but don't talk about that with me. I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> like,
1: do, but yeah, it's like, why are you bringing this up, dude?
2: <laughs> I gotta say, though, like, so the surgery is, again, it was about nine months ago. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think the anesthesia drugs they have now are actually much better than they were even 10 years ago. Really? And I'm telling you, like, they put that needle in, and I remember they put me on the table, and I was just out. Woke up back in the other waiting room. Totally fine. I took the day That's off. Amazing. I took the day off for work. I feel mm-hmm. like I could have just worked right in the hospital bed after that. Really? Me. Oh yeah. I was perfectly fine. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. It was cool. I was so worried like that, you know, I heard all these stories. Yeah. People but, have
1: hangovers from it. Yeah. Or
2: like people throw up or like, oh, they just like are useless for a full day. Or, like, yeah. don't know where they are. Um, or like all those YouTube videos that you see of people getting all crazy. Um,
1: oh yeah. It was totally fine. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that was nice. It was a great yeah. surgery.
1: Well, it pays to be young <laughs> and healthy. Like
2: you that's it. That's it. I'm sure, like if
1: you're older, maybe maybe there's recovery time. But
2: that's true. That's great. I gotta say, I do love those videos online of like the mm-hmm. people coming out of surgery. They're always hilarious.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I could be totally wrong. I, I remember hearing that general <laughs> anesthesia is different in that, like, if you get a local painkiller, it kills the the nerves, like mm-hmm. like sending like. It, it's no longer going to send pain signals to your brain yep. with general anesthesia. I'm pretty sure it's your brain is no longer receiving signals from anything. Like it's a different, it's cut off in a different place. Oh, exactly. Like I'm pretty sure like your brain, um, it like affects your brain. Like it's very interesting.
2: Well, so for the knee surgery, I actually got both. So hmm. they, the process of that, I'm, I'm like squeamish with needles and everything. So I was not excited hearing about what they were going to do to me. Hmm. Uh, but they said that first we're going to do, they called it a nerve block. Um, block nerves across the left leg, so you know it's my left knee. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, they'd stick a needle up towards the top of my left thigh and right above my knee, and like inject some nerve oh. freezing agent. They, I think they. I think it. it's like
1: an epidural for pregnancy. Like they do that for childbirth and it oh, really? continue. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So like, and they said that your na- your leg will be completely numb, like it doesn't exist, for like three days. Whoa. Yeah. And so they do that. And I was so, I was like literally breaking out to a sweat when they're telling me yeah, about this. The yeah. idea of like one appendage being completely just yeah. Um, but they're like, oh, well, we'll have an IV in you. And like, we're going to give you some drugs so you won't care about that portion. And I was like, that shit never works. <laughs> but I will tell you the second they put that drug in first, they're like, all right, we're doing this. Now we're going to put the needles in within 10 seconds. I was like, yeah, you get like put the needles wherever. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, now can you feel your toe? Nope. Can you feel your knee? Nope.
0: And wow. it was all good.
2: Um, and after that, they put you under for the mm-hmm. surgery. But yeah, and so during the recovery, the first, I think, two two days or so, mm-hmm. the leg, I felt zero. Like, I, I accidentally bumped it a few times against the wall. I didn't even know other than the sound. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> fortunately, no damage from that.
1: And you got the surgery here in Colorado?
2: No, it was actually in LA. My parents are out there. So okay. I got to spend a few weeks out there. and They took care okay. of it.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause I was gonna say, I'm sure in Colorado they're like, I oh, see a fucking hundred of these a day.
2: Oh right, yeah. From the skiing, but no, same, same out there. I mean, you know, the yeah. the ACL guy is gonna see a lot of ACL. Oh days. yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. Right, right. People tear them in all sorts of ways, but
1: no, that's why I stopped playing basketball. Oh really? Like no more pickup games because I'm like everyone I played with at some point. If you play ten, fifteen years, like yeah, I had a blown ACL or a, a Achilles or an ACL or at least like just a complete hamstring tear, like. When oh. you're in your upper thirties and you're playing on the weekends, yeah, like,
2: that's a good point, man. I worry as I get, you know, I'm 30 now, as so I get back into snowboarding. Like, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I am going to taper down a little bit because I used to go pretty intense on the mountain, and yeah, I don't know if I can handle it anymore. It's scary, get old.
1: And do you do like backcountry or whatever they call it? Uh,
2: uh, not exactly backcountry, but I'll I'll pretty much spend all day in the trees as right. long as the snow's good. Um, that's that's where I. So
1: it's a beautiful way to ski
2: Oh, it's great. You know? That's where you get the untouched powder, and like, mm-hmm. it's it's great. You get away yeah. from people. Yeah,
1: and you feel like, I mean, you're in it. You're in it. You exactly.
2: Know? Yeah, it's you and the elements, just like making it through there. Oh, so great. Like that's,
1: that's what nice. skiing must have felt like 400 years ago. You
2: um, know, you're
1: not you're not exactly in the groomed like you're not in a wide open area. Right, With like right. a gondola
2: and like yeah, exactly. people around. I don't know if they were skiing 400 years ago, but
1: yeah. When was skiing <laughs> invented? I'm gonna <laughs>
2: guess it was invented in, like, 1880. Dude, 1840. Oh. But
1: here's the thing. I thought fucking what's? I thought Oatsy the Iceman had scared. Did he have snowshoes? I have no clue who you're talking about. Oatsy the Iceman <laughs> is, like, the oldest, like, or he's, like, the oldest, like, preserved person we've ever found. And he was, like, in the oh. Alps in, like, France or something.
2: That, is that the guy who had all the acupuncture tattoos?
1: Yeah, he had tattoos. He oh, also had man. additional mushrooms on him crazy because and i take tons of medicinal mushrooms because that that stuff can be preserved in ways like or dry herbs you lose their not like not
2: like psychedelic mushrooms
1: right correct i didn't know
2: there were medicinal mushrooms outside of
1: yeah like the chinese medicine people have like there's like everything from depression to like high altitudes
2: i don't know if you'll talk about this now but i'd be curious to get your opinion on like eastern medicine for sciatic and back pain Mm -hmm. because i've lived with this for five years now i just like I've tried a lot. The, la- the next step is surgery, but I'm just, it's not bad enough to really warrant surgery. So I'm just in this plateau and kind of this limbo. Um, Jeez. And I do have a belief in Eastern medicine. Like I'd be curious.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you tried turmeric? Did anyone ever tell you to do that?
2: Is that that uh, like orange Indian spice? Yeah. So I've, I cook with it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to like just eat it, put in a pill?
1: Um, there's this one bioavailable form. Dr. Rhonda Patrick talks about this. She's the fucking
0: best. She's a genius.
1: But okay. um, she performs all these studies and does research and writes papers on other people's research about wellness. But there's one form of bioavailable. Like this one company has a tr- copyright because you can copyright gene codes now in our country. That's why we have genet- – it's a genetically modified human
0: essentially okay.
1: that makes it so your body doesn't digest it and it goes right into your bloodstream. Because most, like, 99% of your cumin you, get, you digest in your stomach. But this extra little, like, carboxyl group or whatever they put on the end of cumin makes it allowed to go into your bloodstream. And I think now a couple companies have it. But anyway, um, people who have MS, like, I recommend this for. Interesting. And,
0: yeah. Um, I so I've known that a few out. people
1: who have, like, advanced MS. And, and apparently cumin is, like...
2: Oh, cumin too. Okay.
1: It's, um, well, it's, yeah, it's... it's, it's curcumin it's the same thing oh, okay bioavailable curcumin company let's see but yeah that's um that might be one
0: i've
2: recently been teaching myself how to cook some indian food so i Ooh. have all the spices now i think this is a good excuse to just cook even more indian
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly just load up yeah um god that's so that's it's so annoying like having something wrong and like having to. I can figure it out. Yeah. And I have like really
2: no real options. Um, one thing I tried, have you ever heard of dry needling?
0: Yeah.
1: Oof.
2: yeah. Have you done acupuncture? Uh, so I tried acupuncture once. Mm-hmm. That whole idea kind of freaks me out. I actually like the one time I did it, I could really feel my chi or whatever, like my yeah. energy shifting. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. And I just freaked out about it. I was like, I yeah. was pretty much breaking into a cold sweat out of like, just panic. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, needles really generally not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm, I think for acupuncture, you're supposed to do it like for, you know, a consistent um, period over, let's say months before you really get the full benefits. And I don't know if you would agree, but.
1: I mean, probably, I don't yeah. know. It could all be placebo, but placebo is very important.
2: Oh, I I, get it, man. <laughs> I totally agree.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you could feel effects right away, but yeah, it's probably one of those things you'd, you'd want to do for a, a long time. Um, I think what you might've had was a vasovagal response, which is where your, like, vagus nerve, um, which controls your fight-or-flight response, just, like, starts vibrating.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: And um, it happens most when, for people who get acupuncture, it happens most often in men in their late 20s or early 30s who have, like, good muscle tone because of, like, the kind of yin or yang energy that that men have.
2: I got that tone.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that just means you're, like, responding well to the treatment.
2: Maybe I'll try it again one day. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly, I'm feeling a little hot just even thinking about the needles though.
1: Dude, I get them every <laughs> week and they're, or every other week and really? they're like painful. Like everyone, like feels like my nervous system grabs onto them and she puts them here. She puts them in my jaw. Oh she puts them like no, no. Feet.
2: That just freaks me Dude, out. She puts them
1: on my stomach. The stomach ones freak me out. Oh. She's putting it like in my dumb fucking mushy tummy.
2: And, but it's yeah. like,
1: great. I think it's great, but okay. it could be placebo, but either way.
2: What do you do it for if I may
1: ask? I started going for like shoulder um, and um, trap pain because I used to sleep on my stomach because when I was overweight I had sleep apnea sleeping on my back so I'd sleep on my stomach which is the worst way to sleep because your your arms are forced to like go in a weird way so it messed with my muscles and then I realized I was getting such a reaction to it that it could help me with um, my food addiction um, my sugar addiction and my eating issues and my digestive tract and my stress uh, levels
2: and- so, so you've lost quite a bit of weight then
1: yeah, I lost forty pounds wow.
0: um, three years ago. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, cool.
1: So, and, and acupuncture was a big part of that because I I was meditating once while getting acupuncture, and I was thinking about how I, I need to give love to my body, and uh-huh. and I, don't know, I just had this awakening about how like the food that I put in my mouth is giving thanks to my body. This is how I thank my body. Right. It's the best way to thank my body, and I've been like saying like "fuck you, body" by by overeating and eating. Yeah preservatives and high fructose corn syrup.
2: I guess I won't keep mentioning how I'm trying to gain weight then.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good to tack on mass. Um, My first acupuncturist explained chi in a great way. He was like, for the human body, chi can be seen as oxygen Mm -hmm. because chi is life force and in the human body, oxygen is like your life force. And what carries oxygen is blood um, in the human body. And so essentially what we're doing is increasing blood flow. Like that's what he, that's what he reduced it to for a Western mind. Cause this dude was like off the boat from Korea and like was like, had all these books on Buddhism and the spiritual side and we vibed well, cause I'm, I'm into that. But he was like, it's just oxygen. Think about um, what, and what's happening is like um, your nervous system has shut off pain receptors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which has led to chronic, that's what chronic pain is um, where like you're, your pain receptors are just like confused after, after months or years or whatever of like sending pain signals and nothing changing. Um, and so it's a weird, your body's like kind of the communications are a little bit screwed up, right. but the needles stimulate um, like oxygen flow hmm. essentially. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's a nice visualization to think about.
2: Yeah, that is interesting. I always wonder, like you're talking about the frozen man, like, you know, 5,000 years old and mm-hmm. he had all these tattoos of like the acupuncture points that we agree today are the right areas to be needling, right? Oh, yeah. And the, you know, 5,000 years yeah. ago. And I wonder, you know, what else did they know? Like, I wonder if they, there must have been other things that we, you know, have lost from that time. Uh, I just think that's what's really interesting.
1: Yeah, he had, he had these medicinal mushrooms on him. They were polypores, but they were probably used for two different purposes. Um, so it doesn't say... More on that in the little Google blurb I did, but um, yeah, I'm big on medicinal mushrooms because they, yeah, you can, you can have dried capsules of them and they're still potent. Whereas like a dried capsule of herbs loses the essential oils. Whereas like mushroom spores don't rely on essential oils that need to be preserved. Like that's not the benefit that's being delivered to you. So anyway.
2: Yeah. I got to check that out. Sounds, Sounds interesting.
1: I wish that I could be. Um, I have no formal training in this. I've just taken a class and, and research researched a bunch, but um, I wish that I could be um, like the nutritional um, consultant for my dentist because she knows nothing about this stuff. Uh-huh. And I took collagen peptides to recover from getting teeth extracted, uh-huh. and I, I I recovered like incredibly quickly with the CBD and the collagen. I take. Tons of fish oil and vitamin D and and a bunch of other things. And I think that all contributed to my recovery. And some people don't care and don't want to know. Like Eva was like, I would never care. But I think a lot of people would be interested. And I think she'd be a much better dentist if she knew that stuff. And if she was like, hey, in case you want to do more, you can go to the store, you can get collagen peptides, you get this, ask, go to the supplement section, ask for these things. I wonder if you could be some kind of nutritional consultant, like on the side. I could, I would get, I would have to get a certification right. and then grow the business. Yeah. And it'd be a matter of like a dental office wanting to pay me. And I'm like, I don't like business development. I do it professionally.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: So, but it's, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lot of work, but it's a viable business.
2: Yeah, I yeah. I always love the idea of doing kind of side work, you know, keeping some kind of side income stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like these days you just can't trust any single organization.
1: I know Eva can't even trust the government. She's a federal exactly, employee, and like exactly. now Is we're she, wondering if.
2: So they made that deal. She getting all that back pay?
1: Yeah, she gets she gets two paychecks of back pay, yeah. and goes back to work on Monday, and it's going to be like a zoo. Oh yeah, you know, sure. just like oh my god, because all their goals are the same. <laughs> oh, so imagine that. That's
0: terrible. <laughs> and
1: and also like all their passwords expired. Apparently, these government people, if you don't use your, if you don't log in for a certain amount of weeks, your password expires. And so there's 800,000 federal employees whose passwords have expired for like five or six different platforms. Really? And there's an office in the government that deals with that.
0: Oh, my God. So imagine
1: this office on Monday
0: wow. getting 800,000
1: requests times five to reset passwords.
0: Wow.
1: They, hopefully they'll have an automated thing, but there's like no protocol for this yeah. because the country's never shut
0: down. Right, because you assume whoever's in power can figure things out at least
2: somewhat Oof. Yeah. Um, so they're saying Trump lost during this whole negotiation. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, they're saying Trump lost the shutdown, and he lost it. Well, he, he took credit for it in December. He was like, "I'm proud to call this a yeah. shutdown." Uh, wait, he, he said wanted law well, funding. Yeah, I, I'm yeah.
0: just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that's like, such forget. old news. Yeah. People totally forget. I know. Um,
1: yeah, he could have passed it last year because he could have passed it in 2018 um, because he had Republicans had the House and the Senate and the presidency. So, Trump, for some reason, the wall five billion dollars of wall funding didn't get passed last year mm-hmm. and I think because it was either just unpopular in general
0: or they were too busy passing the tax cut, I don't know there's some some reason yeah but um also there's uh there's been about oh going back to the the supplements and um
1: that sort of thing, we were talking about psilocybin and magic mushrooms yeah. and they might get decriminalized yeah. in Colorado. Sounds weird off the bat. It sounds like a party drug, uh-huh. like let's get fucked up and do mushrooms. Um, but do you have any thoughts on it?
2: Uh, yeah. One would be it's key to distinguish decriminalization versus legalization. Hmm. So with them decriminalized, I think that's a no brainer. hundred percent. Should they be bought in stores like weed? I'm not a hundred percent on that yet, mm-hmm. but I would say I'm more for that than against it. Uh, mushrooms are generally not addictive and they've shown a lot of benefit to a lot of people. But I think you'd have to have some kind of major education campaign if that were to be actually legalized, mm-hmm. decriminalized again, like no big deal. Yeah. But if you were to legalize them, you'd have to really educate people mm-hmm. and you'd have to have a better kind of Safeguard rather than just age. I think, yeah, to sell them. Yeah, totally. Because um, a lot of people just should not be ingesting those.
1: These are yeah, these are like they're not hard drugs. They're like as Amsterdam would call it, they're soft drugs, mm-hmm. but they're intense.
2: Exactly. <laughs> like you don't want somebody to be you know doing that and driving and like or, you know the, yeah. the amount of people that would just do something like that without any research and like not understanding what they're getting into. That's the scary part. Um, but yeah, overall, I think they're very beneficial.
1: Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's for research, Per, it'll allow people to do more research on it.
2: Yeah, that would make sense.
1: And so you mentioned like the, it can help people. So like there's been tons of research in other countries, I think, and like back in the 60s, right, 50s, where it can be treated for um, or be a treatment for schizophrenia or addiction. PTSD. Or insomnia, PTSD. Yeah. End of
2: life, like uh, yeah. what do they call it? Like to make people more comfortable mm-hmm. in life uh, or more accepting of their faith, Yeah, I totally.
1: Guess. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, like cancer treatment. Yeah, terminal illness, for sure.
2: Exactly. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think there is so much benefit. um, Mm -hmm. But, like,
1: yeah, they've been illegal for so long. Mm -hmm. Cluster headaches is another one. I used to get that before I stopped uh, eating gluten. Oh, interesting. I used to get cluster headaches, which are, like, feel like needles behind the eye. And um, apparently psilocybin is a remedy for that.
2: Like, in
1: in sub... Subactive doses, or some, yeah. I don't know what they call it—below the, the threshold micro
2: microdosing, of, maybe. Or essentially, everyone, yeah,
1: it's yeah, below the the threshold of you having the effects of it. I got you. Yeah,
2: interesting. No,
1: uh, I did. I did microdosing for like two or three months a couple of years ago. I didn't notice a huge difference.
2: Shrooms or acid?
1: Um, acid. Okay. Yeah, microdosed acid for
2: for a few months. Was it ever enough to like notice any type of like you know visual or mental? I think difference? one time
1: I took a sliver that was like a little too big. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm not tripping but like I I took more than a sliver there.
2: <laughs> I tried to do a micro dose once on a snowboarding day yeah. But like I didn't notice anything, but I wasn't you're not sure. going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure it was, it was because I was just so active anyways and it's such an mm-hmm. intense experience. Like if I were on that same dose, just sitting at home in a quiet room, like maybe I would start to notice something.
1: But, yeah. It would take a, a study, uh, you know, a number of studies where you'd have hundreds or thousands of people doing the microdosing for a number of months mm-hmm. and reporting on their their yeah. mood or or like life life circumstances so you can get an aggregate view because there's been articles where it's like ah, i didn't feel anything but after a few weeks i i, I was definitely more productive or oh, less more more into listening or mm-hmm. something and
2: well they're saying that's like uh, in silicon valley they're saying like a lot of people are doing that of course they're always yeah. like on the, the cutting edge of that stuff. that's right um there's also have you heard of
1: medafinil? no well yes i have yeah yeah this weirdo who sat next to me used to do modafinil well, oh, really? I've, I've done other it's a it's a nootropic right
2: well it's pretty much it's an anti-narcoleptic drug um it's pretty much like a super high-powered adderall uh that's just like many times more powerful apparently and you know i think certain like kind of big names in silicon valley yep uh, have claimed to do it and it's kind of like the closest thing to that movie limitless Right, that, it's a limitless pill, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It's like, yeah. it's yeah, it says in Wikipedia, modafinil has been non-medically used as a smart drug, quote-unquote, by students, office workers, soldiers, and transhumanists. People who want to be cyborgs, right, right. like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, nootropics are really good. Have you heard of that term? Yeah. So I take. I used to take Alphabrain, mm-hmm. or sometimes I'll take, which is from Onnit, okay. which is a supplement company from Austin, Texas, who is very expensive and overpriced but they build stacks for you of like 20 or 30 supplements in one pill. Oh, so it's like and they do their own they, they fund their own private studies that show like like muscle mass increased 30% amongst this group of Florida state uh power lifters who took a uh, versus uh, 33% more over placebo.
0: Hmm.
1: And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool like they have like actual data, which is nice." Also, well, when you were doing it, did he notice anything? Yeah, when I take this, this was a different drug, the 30% muscle increase. Yeah. That was beta, a beta alanine pre workout mix that oh, I were... definitely felt it on. With the Alpha Brain, their other product, which is a nootropic, I also felt the positive effects of that because I would be at a party and I remember I would remember everybody's name. And I, I'm terrible at remembering names. And so, I just remembered that.
2: So, why did you stop? It's
1: expensive. And I don't need. I don't need top mental performance? Yeah. Like I'm I'm a pretty high functioning person. Yeah. So, Interesting. if I'm ever going into a stressful week or a meeting, they know I have powder form. So mm-hmm. it's pretty quick acting.
2: I've always been interested in that, but like I feel I've heard mixed reviews and I almost worry that like if, you know, you start to take something like that and it actually does work, like, mm-hmm. you know, to get off of it. Yeah, Maybe you're like, on it. Yeah.
1: As they say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like chapstick, my friend said, that's nah, it's chapstick, dude. That's what he called it." Because he was saying, "Once you start, once you get on the chapstick, you're—it's hard to get off. Like uh-huh. then you're on, you're on it, and the minute you get off, your lips get chapped again somehow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, unless you have a good chapstick, I think that's like artificial shit."
2: Well, right? Don't they say there's like little beads of glass or something to put in there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm
1: sure <laughs> little like dead seals that they've clubbed. So and, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: No, I'm sure there's awful shit. I don't, I don't trust it. Yep. Well, uh, I, I also have been
1: uh, doing the sauna a lot lately. Have you ever done the sauna or heat oh, therapy? Yeah, a little bit here and there. Yeah, apparently that does a ton of good stuff, like longevity. Oh, really? um, Reactions happen in your body, like your body produces shit to keep you alive longer oh, and keep you healthy.
2: That would be cool. I kind of wish if I had like a little sauna like in my building, mm-hmm. I'd probably go a lot, but. I just, like, don't have access to one right now.
1: Yeah, it's one of the – I go to the Denver Rec Centers. It's, like, the city of Denver runs these yeah. um, workout centers. So this one on Martin Luther King, so it's, like, a 15-minute drive from here. Oh. And all, only old people go there. <laughs> and the weight room isn't that great, so I only go there for the sauna. <laughs> but it gets up to, like, 190 degrees in there. 190? Yeah, like, 180, 190. And I'm in there for, like – I can do 20 or thirty. Minutes.
2: Damn, I saw something I think in Finland they have the sauna competitions and it's like who can stay in the sauna longer it's, <laughs> oh, super
0: it's hilarious yeah. <laughs> oh man
1: um, well sir what, what else you got I got a couple more topics but we can always, we can always split this into a, into a two parter
0: I've uh, got nothing on my head
1: yeah I mean there's always more to talk about with, with the politics and somebody possibly taking out trump in a couple years and i want to get into your your personal history a little bit maybe we can end on that sure that's cool um you went to school in indiana right that's correct so was it a big high school how many no it was tiny my
2: graduating class i think had like 28 people and What? It, yeah, yeah yeah it was it was ridiculous
0: so
1: was it like a schoolhouse like what um, what did the high school look like? It
2: was like, it was a startup high school. And it's so, like, you know, it was new. Huh. Um, and they, it's, it was secular.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: they pretty much had like a bunch of trailer classrooms. And then okay. like one building that was like, you know, for community stuff, and, like mm-hmm. lockers, and gym. And it was still somewhat big, but like most of the classes were in like trailers.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: why did you, do you know why your parents decided on that? Or why? Um, so
2: actually my, there were a lot of like religious high schools and not many like good private choices that were not religious mm-hmm. in that area. And my dad actually like kind of got involved with this, you know, a group of people and they like, they wanted to start a high school mm-hmm. and they ended up, you know, for, it took a while, but like he'd been working on it for a, you know, a long time. And this group, they actually ended up building a high school. And so I was kind of a guinea pig there, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So I was like,
2: I guess I got to you know, be on brand. If you're, if your own kid isn't going to the school, mm-hmm. uh, that might not be good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, were your parents like in the agriculture industry? I assume everyone in Indiana.
2: Uh, no. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, my dad actually worked. He's, he's in like a biz dev type, like investment type stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what brought him to Indiana was a, a company that did, I think like infant formula. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. And health food type stuff.
1: Um, was there a lot of sex happening in this tiny high school?
2: Um, enough to For, get in by. In general,
1: not just you. It could be everyone.
2: I think, I mean, enough to get by. Like, yeah, I, yep. <laughs> um, I think that's all I'll say about that.
1: The high school I went to, it was like all like, like people like paired up. Like there was a lot of boyfriend and girlfriends. Uh-huh. There wasn't a lot of like hooking up. Oh, interesting. And there wasn't a lot of, I graduated 150 people in my class and, which is like small, but normal, Mm -hmm. I guess. Nothing's normal, but it's small, but not obviously bigger than yours. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, people would, there wasn't a lot of hooking up and there wasn't a lot of like people dating from other schools. Was that common? Did people, Mm -hmm. because you had a small school, was intermingling with other schools? I think there was a
2: little bit, but there was definitely like, you know, people coupling up at school and like, you know, I don't know if there was really a hookup culture that much um at least not for me that was you know I had actually had two girlfriends in high school um one of which for like a year and a half towards the end so mm-hmm. that was that was the main the main person I was focused on
1: we're so deep in the podcast no one's listening anymore so you can just say whatever <laughs> but yeah fuck the a pig like literally like an animal I'm a bestiality
0: guy that's not ethical <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yes I um I had such a weird like self image in high school. Like I did not think I was like equipped or like eligible to be like dating people. Oh yeah. But like, I still like tried to put myself out there. You know, I think everyone had a bit of that. Like it's really awkward. It's just like an awkward time. Oh, it's so
2: awkward. (laughs) Um,
1: But I was, I was talking to my friend Gretchen who's now 40 and I was like, did you feel that way in high school? And she was like, no, she was like, I felt like I was Madonna. I was like a material girl. And like, uh-huh. The world was at my fingertips. She's like, I felt like the queen. <laughs> and I was like, that's hilarious. What a great. Interesting. She was like, yeah, high school was great. She was like this hot little number.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And super popular and cool. Smoked cigarettes. Like, she's like a badass with yeah. a leather jacket. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Her, her best friend in high school is Christina Hendricks, who was in Mad Men.
2: <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it's like, what a badass little
0: wow. high school experience. Uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I can't yeah. say I was really a badass. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, not. I was an asshole, though
0: i okay. was definitely like, oh, really? kind of a
1: jerk oh yeah like this is a toned down me uh-huh i used to i used to have less of a filter and and just be more like reactionary interesting yeah i was kind of a dick but like i'm sure people were like no nah, you were nice but really i was a dick.
2: <laughs> i mean i don't think i was a dick but you know i think it's hard to know for sure that's that's good uh like self in inspection so Self? Retros- intros-
1: intros- uh, intros-
2: uh, self-reflection uh, oh. in a sense yeah I can't think of the right word but that's all right
1: yeah you know what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> um yeah totally it was uh well I'm excited for a 10-year uh, or a 15-year um uh high school reunion because I want to uh, ask people like so what I remember being a dick can you can you how uh, should you hate me <laughs> for, I mean I was popular like I had friends but uh, I think I was I think all kids are kind of jerks. That is true. Some, that's, most kids. That's totally true. Or at least say dickish things. And if a kid's not a jerk, they're like probably like a wonderful person. <laughs> <Like
0: they're, laughs> those are
1: a kid who's not a dick probably grows up to be like a person who just does good their whole life yeah. and is just like one of the good people in society. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna do a, do another podcast. I think at some point for we'll, we'll sure. hop back this on for good. part two. Yeah. A neighbor neighbor pod. Get get into the college years. That's where it gets exciting. The college years. (laughs) What would you do? Oh, that's the wonder years. Um, Yeah, get into the college years. Get more into the high school years. I love hearing about people's like (laughs) things. Okay, that was our podcast, a very special neighborly podcast. Thank you to neighbor Michael. And thanks to you all for listening. So until next time, have fun out there. I don't know. I don't have a sign off yet, but here's some hame.
0: You kept trying to prove me wrong And I know that I ran you down So you ran away with your heart But just know